Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The following podcast may contain some strong language and adult themes. If you've got young children around, maybe save it until they've gone to bed. If you really don't like bad words, this pod probably isn't for you. Welcome to the Making Up the Numbers podcast. The Making Up the Numbers podcast is sponsored by Hope Technology, JTEC Suspension, Revolution Bike Park, Ride Southern Spain, Schwalb, from the world's finest independent mountain bike magazine, Single Track. Previously on the Making Up the Numbers podcast. Like Danny was so annoying before he went green and I was like, (laughs) I was like, okay, it's happening. Danny is just going to get second or third and I'm going to lose the overall. This is it, you know, and I, so I went to Amory and I was like, yo dude, fuck, that was such a cool season. I'm pissed off, but congrats for Ryan. when by the time I said that, the last, now the second to last split comes up and then he's green. This season was insane. I remember I, I won three races, Loic won three races. He was like, Bruh! it never happens. Like, fuck. Normally when you win three races, you win the overall. This, this should be a rule. When I was younger, when I was really small, I was a riding horse. Pompon was a pony. Fort William's a bit different to everything else on the World Cup circuit. Are you a fan of that track? Uh, no. <laughs> no, actually, I'm not a fan of it whatsoever. <laughs> I mean, I think that place is like, I felt like when I came home, I was like, man, I feel like I was out there at a race for six months after being there for three days. I was like, this place is <laughs> just like going to war. It just, it got worse as the weekend went on. Like, the computer tells you everything, but at the end of the day, you just take the fucking brakes off and go fast. <laughs> 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 <Right. laughs> <Pretty simple. laughs> 
Hello and welcome to episode 8 of season 4 of the podcast. In this episode, we're spanning the ages of downhill. Kicking things off, we'll be chatting with the GOAT, the man who's amassed four world titles and 22 World Cup wins, Mr Greg Minar. And then it's over to the Milky Bar Kid. If you're not from the UK, you might have to Google that one. The 2022 Junior World Champion, Jordan Williams. But first, big news. Jack, you're a dad. Congratulations. How does that feel? Yeah, thanks, mate. It feels great. It's uh, weird to hear you say it. Um, he's six days old now. So, yeah, um, amazing. Good stuff. Well, con- yeah, huge congratulations. It's it. I can tell. <laughs> I can tell you from experience, it is the most amazing journey that you're about to go on. So, the, the, it's hard, but there's no bad with it. It's all good. Yeah, we've even like obviously everyone says how hard the very first part is, and we, I think we've been at home now since Thursday afternoon, and it's what Tuesday. So we've done like five full days and even those days have been great like I think it's easier for me to say than Sarah because obviously she's uh, she's the moment she's having to deal with breastfeeding and all that yeah. stuff but, but yeah like it's funny I <laughs> I really really don't like poo like sick <laughs> I'm not bothered with sick someone could be sick near me I'm not bothered poo no don't do it so I was dreading nappy changes I was actually dreading it really? honest, yeah yeah and honestly it's been some of my favorite time with him so far because he just kind of needs Sarah at the moment. So if I'm doing the nappy changes, it's the only kind of real quality time I get with him. And he's usually lying there awake, like chirping away. And like, it's so funny how something that you can have this preconception of just isn't what you think it's going to be like at all. So, so yeah, we're just loving it and uh, just taking each day as it comes. Excellent. So you've timed it beautifully with, with little Blake arriving in the off season are you taking some time out? Yeah, I mean, that timing was by design. Um, we were lucky that we could conceive easily, but yeah, yeah, we planned for September and he was due on the 25th of September and arrived uh, 5th of October. So yeah, um, it's it's ideal. Um, I'm not looking at going anywhere too far um, before Christmas. There's Because the coaching's so busy, there may be a quick trip to Portugal at the end of November if things are going well. Um, but yeah, until January, I'll be in the UK and we'll be getting things going uh, here with the family and uh, coaching at this side of the water. And then, and then from January, there'll be a lot of stuff going on in Portugal and hopefully Sarah and Blake will come with us. So, but yeah, cool. it's just, as you say, it's a new journey. I'm just going to build as we go. Excellent. And I think Dan told me he was back at uni now. Have you confirmed the rest of the team for, for 2023? Uh, yeah, Dan's back at uni. Um, no, we haven't confirmed stuff. Um, just depend, that all depends on sponsors with, with such a small program that, until I know what sponsors we have and what they're providing it determines how many riders we can take. My hope for next year is to have a program that ticks off a rider in every category because as a development program, that is what we should be doing. Unfortunately, that is completely dependent on the amount of sponsorship we have. So waiting to hear back on a few things, crossing my fingers that happens. If we're on a little bit more of a shoestring budget, it will probably be me, Dan, and the junior. Uh, yeah. But just waiting to see. It's all out of my hands now. I've sent my proposals. We just have to see what people say. <laughs> is that is that it, is, are SR Suntour and Common Style still, still the ones you are you locked in with them or have you got proposals for them as well? So SR Suntour are our title sponsor and that's kind of a long-term, nice and secure relationship. And to be honest, without them, uh, the program would struggle to operate. So a huge shout out to that brand. Like they look after us with suspension, with tech support, even pit space, and then obviously financial support. And without them, there's no way we'd be able to operate like we do. Um, we are parting ways with Commentel next year. Um, 
along with quite a lot of other teams, actually. Um, massive thank you to them, being with them for four years. Um, and they're just struggling to support everyone because of the shipping issues. It's as simple as that. We're parting on good terms. I'm even hoping to do some coaching for them with some of their younger riders in Portugal. Um, we would have liked, quite liked to stay with the brand because we love the bike and we love the guys, but it's just not possible. They're struggling to get frames to people because of the, the shipping issues. So, so yeah, we're uh, looking for a new partner and uh, fingers crossed we find what we're after. Excellent. Well, Emmy, on the day we recorded with Amory, you were packing for Whistler and you've just got back. Has time stood still for me or have you been there a long time? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been there for two weeks, to, two whole weeks, and I think I've never been in like the that time zone for so long. Yeah. Like we always move from one coast to the other and I've never been to Whistler more than a week and we were like insanely lucky with the weather. Like it's been, or honestly, it's been summer there, like yeah. 25 plus degrees. It was, it was insane. Wow. Amazing. So I've seen the Instagram, so I think I, I know the answer to this one already, but it was a good trip, yeah? Yeah, yeah. It was it was really cool. And having Benoit there for his first time in Whistler. No way. So, yeah, yeah. So we had to do the whole experience. Like, um, yeah, we're going to Longhorn first day, going to Sushi Villa's first day, getting drunk <laughs> upside down, drinking sake with Couscous was there. It was pretty funny. Um, nice. And obviously, like you would know, Benoit, he was riding from like opening to. Oh, yeah. The bike park closes at five. It's earlier than during Crackwork. So he was like 10 to five almost. Doing sweep and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> so, we were like doing a little bit. We we're like, well, this is our vacation, you know, like, but I, I rode more in these two weeks than I rode the whole year for sure. Nice. So, um, I should probably drop it in here that we, we record these podcasts out of sync sometimes. So earlier today, me and Jack recorded with Greg. You couldn't make that because you were, you were babysitting your, your stepbrother. Is that right? Yeah. Stepbrother. And, and, uh, yeah. And then we've just recorded with Jordan and you missed it because of. <laughs> <laughs> yes, like. I, I, I uh, play guilty. Um, I don't know. It's probably a mix of like being back home and like haven't done these in a while and been a bit bit tired and also not really looking at my, at my phone as much as I usually do. Yeah. So I was just like looking at it too too late, and I was like, "Well, I'm just gonna not disturb the podcast while you're doing it." But yeah, so well, enjoy. I would love to have heard that but i guess i'm gonna have to listen to it now that's cool <laughs> it, it, it's good to have you on this bit and i know that you know coming back from whistler you're gonna have loads of juicy team rumors for us so off you I go don't though that's annoying <laughs> i think it's too early um but i know that cam is not going anywhere and <laughs> isn't either um the only thing that i've heard is that Cole might go to scott oh oh that uh, is a big team rumor that hasn't been anywhere. And someone, someone that I know and it's close to me hasn't denied it or said it would. Right. That is a so <laughs> no, but like, um, so it might be on, but I guess it's. I don't know if a lot of people signed yet because obviously of next year and everything. Yeah, I think. Did you say the beat? Well, you said just then about the issues being getting bikes and stuff. Is the whole industry going through a dip, Jack? Is that I, I, honestly like I don't really know what's going on. It's hard to know what to believe and what not to believe, but we we certainly know for a fact that the price of shipping containers from the east has like 
quadrupled or maybe even more. So there's that element, which is obviously going to affect sponsorship. Um, and then we also know that the factories are struggling to turn out as much as they used to. So it's obviously going to affect us before it affects retail. Um, yeah. And then there's the case of, is the bike industry doing as well as it was with the global recession? Or what are we even calling it? Is there a, is there a recession? Is there not? I don't know. But yeah. are people spending money like they were? So, so yeah, I mean, who knows? I don't. So the official ones, Jamie Edmondson said goodbye to Trek. I don't think that was a, a huge surprise, really. He's not had the best couple of years since he's been there. Um, and Norco announced that they won't have a downhill team in 2023. And was, was Gracie was Gracie Hemstreet riding for Norco? Yeah, yeah, I've seen her there. She what wouldn't was, give me any. She'll have somewhere to go. And I don't know her that well, but I, it looks like she has a few options. Yeah, yeah she'll have somewhere to go. She's going to score points, isn't she? Yeah, I heard Santa Cruz might be an option. What What's Santa Cruz though? Yeah, I did. That's the bit I don't know. It won't be, it won't be syndicate. Maybe union. I thought, yeah, but very possible. Uh, that would be a good fit. Um, I don't know. I think it could be also maybe something like different. Yeah, she's someone that likes free ride and loves this. So someone else could like take over for the races, and then she could be a Santa Cruz like privateer rider, but with a very yeah. good contract. So, um, I. I I think that could be happening. Yeah, I think the Mayor Smith brothers to Giant. I think that's that's been rumored a lot. I think yeah. I think that will happen. And uh, Mark Wallace off Canyon. Um, so be <laughs> So I've been around this the same people I was talking before, and we were in Valdol, <laughs> and we were talking to um, to someone at Canyon, someone yeah. real short, and yeah. he was <laughs> like he was like ah. Uh, yeah, I would like to 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 keep Mark on the team. So yeah. you're like, oh, you know. So that's the first thing we saw. Oh, maybe so. You're not sure. So obviously he was not signed. Yeah. But yeah. So that could be that could be a rumor. So yeah. so what I'm going to do, Emmy, is I'm going to send you this audio recording tomorrow just to check you're okay with all these revelations that you're making before we we, we publish it all out. It's fine. <laughs> it's not revelations, but I've been trying because <laughs> I've got some good people to ask, but I don't think. Yeah. And I, I believe Jack Moir's going to YT. I know that's an enduro rumor, but I, I believe that that's, yeah. Yeah, that's quite. That's in a lot of places. I wouldn't say it's true, but... Okay. So, uh, have either of you heard any more about next season? And I thought ESO were due to announce, like, the format of each race to, to the teams a couple of weeks back. You know, like, what, how many riders would be making it through to finals, that kind of thing. Is that- As far as I understand it from what we were sent mm, 10 days ago, I can't remember. It was 10 days, two weeks ago, we got sent something... And it sounds like for next year, most things are staying fairly similar. Right. And changes will follow. Even the way we register, we still register with the UCI and we pay this, I think we pay the same fees and get the right. same space and the start and the other. Um, yeah. I think 2024, it will get sh- like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> like they're going to get it and mess around with it. But maybe Emmy's got a different insight. But I wish. But I don't because I'm not a team manager. Yeah. And I so think maybe something not even big would have come from the team manager. I would have heard about it. Yeah. 
So maybe you've well, not even seen uh, that. You know I've, what I'm talking about. Yeah. No, I've 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 uh, talked to Chris Ball once again. I talked to um, tried to like email Sean Hemdale as well as the team manager's representative, and Chris got back to me very vaguely. He didn't say anything about any more specifics. But I didn't ask him like, oh, what's new? Like, it's not in my, I don't need to know. Like, I just want yeah. to know, like, if there's something big, if I need to tell the riders. But I think the riders would have heard from the team managers as well. Mm. So, no, like, um, I'm trying to establish, like, um, good communication. But that's that's all that's I'm good. doing right now. And, and if there's a working group at some point, maybe I can learn more there. But like you said, maybe they just want to work on it for... Mm. 2024 and it wouldn't be stupid to do it that way yeah. the only thing that i read though because i was looking at the schedule of the world champs and the schedule of world champs is weird i don't know if you've seen it jack but there's two qualifying is two finals so it look i don't it, it, it's not written if it's junior or not junior but it could be that a junior race the friday because it's okay. thursday qualifying friday qualifying finals and saturday finals so it's just like two qualifyings and two finals, but like not on the same day. So it could be that juniors race Friday and elite race Saturday, oh, yeah. whatever. Interesting. So this is the thing that I've learned today and I've haven't heard of it and it's weird, but maybe yeah. it will change as well. I'll look into that and uh, we'll catch up about that on the next, the next episode. Earlier today, Jack and I caught up with Greg Renault and we'll be back with the girl after these messages. Me again, it's Sasha at Revolution Bike Park. It's that time again. We're going to go and have a chat to a few people about what they think is the best thing about Revolution Bike Park. Maybe 50 when it's running, hopefully. don't know. Or uh, actually ghetto. Middle section at ghetto is probably my favourite at the moment. So yeah, All of it, really, including the burgers. Yeah, it's good. Very good, especially the weather this time of year. I think it's good that it covers all aspects of biking, yeah, you know, racing from play riding to racing, and also even if you're into racing specifically, you can hone in a lot of different techniques. You've got steep, gnarly stuff, you've got fast berms, everything, you know, to really, whatever you want to focus on, you can find it here to improve on, really, I find. That's the, that's the good thing about it. Time to make your bike ride like the pros. World Cup level suspension tuning and servicing from the expert team at JTEC Suspension. Built off years of knowledge and experience, the team at JTEC Suspension will service and tune your suspension to make sure it's in tune with your riding style and terrain to shave those vital seconds off your next race run. Visit j-techsuspension.co.uk today and see how their expert team can transform your suspension performance. Greg Minar, welcome back to the pod. Where in the world are you right now? Hey, thanks, George. I'm in um, Andorra. Nice. Weather, weather they're good? It actually is, yeah. It's a beautiful day. Um, haven't been outside yet, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, the weather's been really good, actually. Cool. So... It's 9 a.m. UK time here recording this, 10 a.m. with you, I think. I know you're like a notoriously an early bird. You, you've not been outside yet. The next hindering you, is it? Um, well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm normally an early bird, but the last few days I, I've been traveling. So um, seven o'clock was good enough for me today. And uh, <laughs> I had a few calls to take. So uh, 
haven't been outside yet, but um, yeah, it's uh, I guess it, it it's tough. You know, it's when you're training and you've got a lot more to do in a day. Yeah, uh, I definitely need those early starts to fit everything in. But um, now that my training's down to a little bit of mobility and and uh, it's uh, it's a lot easier on the day. Cool. So, not such a happy return to Valdisol this season, leaving with three broken vertebrae following a horrible crash in practice. T- tell us a bit about how, is it, how it's healing. Yeah, I don't really know. Um, <laughs> but you, you, you're quite right. It was a horrible return to Valdisol. And uh, healing-wise, I, yeah, like I said, I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to tell. I, I wasn't in a lot of pain. Um, I haven't been um, even through the, the, the accident. Um but I'll, I'll probably go, go for some scans next week and see what's going on. It's um, I was really lucky. Everything was stable. Um, the, the fractures were clean and, and there was nothing out of place. So um, the, we we're hoping that the process to recovery is quite simple, that as soon as the bones are healing, I can start getting some mobility back in my neck. Um, got, got a few uh, milestones to reach in that, um, and which I'm working on with uh, a long-time uh, friend in Cairo, uh, Lawrence von Lingen. So I think it's important, you know, it's, although everything is, uh, on track or hopefully on track to be healing properly, I think with your neck, you don't really want to mess around. And, um, it's, uh, it's important that I get, uh, full mobility back in my neck before I try to get on a bike. It's, um, I don't want to risk too much with, uh, having a stiff neck or something that won't be able to bend or flex if I had to crash my head again. Yeah. Would you normally still be in Europe this time of year, Greg, or is 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 that because of your injury and you're staying with the right people to fix it? No, I'm normally in Europe. I, I normally only get back to South Africa in November. Okay. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's 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 a busy time of the year. Just you know, getting things out of sponsors. And I was in America for just under three weeks, um, working on some stuff with Fox and going up to Santa Cruz, and and uh, so it's uh, it's been a busy period, and it always is. Yeah. So last time you were on the show, Greg, was the week before World Champs 2021. And also on that show was Miriam Nicole. You guys did the double. You both won that weekend. You, you can't tell me that's a coincidence, Greg. W- what was it that either Jack or I said that, that made the difference? Well, I know, George, but I'm pretty pissed off you didn't re- revisit this uh, podcast <laughs> the week before Valdesol. Maybe that uh, <laughs> results would have ended out a bit better. <laughs> Um, but yeah i remember that i remember we i was a bit you know i, I remember trying to f- schedule at the time it was a bit yeah. busy but uh oh, we had a we had a good time it, it ended up being quite a cool podcast so yeah i think i was yeah, out yeah. at masters worlds i think I, was i in pralute when we recorded that one i think you were yeah, yeah. you spoke about pralute i remember yeah. uh, i remember yeah. racing there as a junior it's, it's a great place so you seeded fourth that weekend, and I think you told your lady to keep the, the gold marker in a bag. D- did you just have a feeling you'd win? Because I, I don't think you'd won on Valdisol, at Valdisol before, had you? No, I had a couple seconds, but, you know, Valdisol is such a challenging track. It's yeah. super tough. And um, yeah, I think it's just I felt really comfortable. I, I got up to, to pace really quickly. Um, I was feeling confident on the – the changes we had made to my bike and the setup. And then I decided to back things down, you know, cause we get an extra day of training. Um, yeah. although it's, it's the same, um, amount of time, just that, um, that extra day seems like things drag on a bit longer. So I backed things down to make sure I ramp up to that final. And I, 
I was just feeling comfortable, feeling comfortable, feeling confident. And uh, I, I guess that sort of led me through into the to the race. At any point in that weekend, did you did you feel like you had it? The reason I asked that question is I remember years back, I can't remember what year, but it was when you were in the battle with Aaron for the overall. And I s- spoke to you on track walk about how you were feeling. And you said something along the lines to me of, oh, this is going to be a huge challenge. Aaron's so fast here or, or something like that. It didn't sound like you felt like you could win it. And then you went out so hard in finals and, and you crashed. Whereas obviously last year you, you won Worlds. Did you feel very different? I actually felt like the the race against Aaron, I felt like I was probably um, riding a lot harder. You know, I was racing for the win and, and until my uh, wheel broke, I felt like I could have challenged for that. And uh, I, I, was, I was really disappointed with that because it's... yeah. It was something we were experiencing a lot of as these broken wheels that season, and and that's how my season ended. Um, World champs was was a little different because you, although you you want to attack and you want to go for it, you've also got to make sure you make it down. Yeah. Um, and uh, on that track, that's so hard. That's a hard combination to get right. Yeah. And um, it's just, it's also really hard on that track because everyone feels terrible. It's rough. It's rocky. It's rooty and. And you feel as if you're going, you're not going quick enough. You try to push a little bit harder, and then suddenly you're too quick. Yeah. And uh, so, so I felt like the world champs was was quite a calculated ride. I knew exactly where I needed to push hard. I backed it down where I, where I didn't feel comfortable, and um, then towards the bottom, I just held on because I was absolutely knackered. It, it, it was such a brutal track, um, and yeah, probably one of the the. The, the scariest moments in that whole run was popping up down the last wood section. You do this deep kind of switchbacks. Um, you do that horrible drop down onto, I think you can maybe cross the road. Yeah. And then there's a few kind of relatively easy corners before you, you drop onto like a left hand and you pop out the, the forest. That left hand in my, I think my right arm collapses because I, I'm just like, <laughs> you know, I'm knackered. I've been pushing hard. I've dropped to the inside. I've G'd out a little bit too hard for my strength. And uh, I collapse a little and save it. And I'm going, oh, gosh, now I've got to hit that. That I really don't like that that finish. Um, yeah, the fly off. The ski jump, jump thing. The yeah. ski jump. It's terrible. Yeah. yeah. And, and you come in and so quick, you're tired, and you know you can't break off it. And uh, I just thought, shit, this is going to be a tough one, whole, whole tighter. And uh, I just sent it off there as far as I could and tried to just to absorb as much as I could through my legs. Um, but wow, the, that bottom bit of track, that that to me was most nerve-wracking of the whole race. Yeah. Are, are, you, are you a fan of that extra dare that you get at World Champs or not? Um, you don't have an option to be. It is how it is. Yeah. Um, I don't mind it. Makes the schedule a bit more relaxed. Uh, the, the World Cup schedule is really tough. It's it's tough on athletes. It's yeah. You know, I feel that the fans don't really get get the attention they deserve um, because our schedule is so tight. Um, yeah. And and that extra day does help. It, it helps alleviate a bit of time. You get to spend a bit more time with people who have come out to support and watch you. So um, I, I must say, it, it does make it easier than the current World Cup schedule. Yeah, I, I'm like when we go and race Masters Worlds, we get it there. And for people of our level, I always think it's a great help because you get to learn the, an extra day learning the track. 
which I know isn't probably you guys are racing the same tracks pretty much year after year, and you, you like you've just done, you can talk us down pretty much the whole of Val de Sol now, anyway. But for for riders who are going to new tracks and doing it, you know, not full time athletes, I, I love it. I love having that extra day. I think it's really beneficial. Yeah, for us, I mean, uh, it, it, if we've been to the track before, if we haven't, we're still going to find those lines. Yeah. We're still going to know where those lines are, and so. You know, it might help a little bit recognizing a, an area, but man, it doesn't make it that much easier when you're out lines and, and knowing what line to be on. So after the World Champs win, you had a bit of a rough end to 2021. The, the following weekend, you pulled your back in practice in Lenza Hyde and, and finished 19th then crashed out in Snowshoe, missing the, the final two rounds. How, how frustrating was that? Yeah, man, it was terrible. I think I arrived in, in Lenza Hyde so dehydrated. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Not only dehydrated is once you win on a world champ, once you win world championships, that bike gets retired. So I'm now on a whole new bike and uh, trying to set that up. Obviously, I've had quite a busy week going into it and uh, possibly celebrated a little too much. <laughs> and I just felt a lot of pressure. It was it was a tough race. And, and Lynn's hard to track. I like I like being in uh, racing there. Yeah. And, and so that was really hard. Um, and then going into snowshoe, I felt like I had calmed down. I'd got things back on track. Um, I remember feeling pretty decent going into qualies and uh, just came into the first woods, maybe a little too hot, slipped on a root and sent me straight into a tree. Man, I've never hit a tree so hard. And wow. uh, I kind of felt like I, I possibly banged my head pretty hard, but I, th- I didn't touch my head on the tree at all i felt like i'd stopped so abruptly that i almost the g-forces had kind of given me a little my brain possibly a little movement inside the head so um i was well spinning after that but wow it was a it was a hard it was a hard stop and uh as i managed to pull off i actually tried to get going again and as i went to pedal off my handlebar had broken around the tree which i hadn't realized and so i had to pull off the side of the track and um as I was there, Loris Vergier came bombing down and he did exactly the same thing. But maybe being a, a little younger and a little smaller, he managed to do a little slip down the side of the tree <laughs> and then pick himself up and keep going. So um, I was a bit bummed with that. Uh, disappoint- it's a disappointing way to end the season. I was uh, not doing too bad in the overall. I felt like it was definitely could have helped me uh, move up the ranks a bit. Yeah. But oh, it is what it is, and it, it was just a sad end to a good season. Knowing that you can't go on forever, do, does every missed race hit that little bit harder? Yeah, for sure. Um, it definitely does. And I think that also goes to say when you when you screw up a race run or or something happens in a race run, I mean, yeah, it gets to you because, you know, there's, there's not that many races left. Um, there's definitely a lot fewer in front of me than they are behind me. Yeah. <laughs> So going into the 2021 off-season, Greg, how many more obligations did you have to fill? Because you've said your off-seasons are busy, but after that World Champs win, how much busier was it? I started training a bit earlier because I knew it was going to be be busy. And I felt like I'd, I'd nailed the training side. I trained really well, trained hard. I I, I got into testing in, in early season, feeling pretty good. And, uh, and then kind of the spring hits and then everyone wants video, video content, and filming and that just continues and continues and podcasts and interviews and more interviews and calls and and that gets tough 
and it's so distracting, gets you out of routine. Um, and, and so, you know, it's the pressure of trying to train. You've missed your training. You try and catch up. Um, then you're too tired. And, and, and that, that made it tough. And then all the traveling into races and eventually going into, um, going into Lenzerheide with a few weeks break. And actually I just took some time off. Um, I was absolutely knackered. So I felt like my fitness is good. My riding's been good this year. I just need some rest. And I came into, to Lenzerheide firing and I felt good there. So it's, it's, it's been, it's been hard. You you get pulled in so many different directions and, uh, I think it was, you know, possibly also just, uh, it's been a while since I'd won one. So it's, um, yeah, it definitely takes it out of you. Yeah, for sure. When was the, the win before that? George probably knows, but before the World Champs win? What, 2013, what? I think. Okay. Oh, Worlds, yeah, Back the Worlds win. Yeah, 2013. And when was the World Cup The World Cup win before the World Champs yeah, win? Bit, was it Lucy? I don't know. Okay. Oh, maybe Lucy. Lucy, yeah, yeah Lucy, yeah. yeah. Right, yeah, okay. Um, yeah. So only the season before, okay. We, we think we remember Rob Warner saying in the commentary <clears throat> this year that you maybe did a bit too much in, in that off-season last year. Would you agree with that, that if you could do it again, you'd say no to a few more people? Um, you can and you can't. You know, it's uh, <laughs> one of those things you just got to manage on the way. I mean, it's a, it's a part of it, dealing with all the media and everything else. Yeah. Um, uh, I think Rob Warner's been spot on and I think he's done an incredible job of of understanding the riders and, and knowing what what's going on behind the scenes, and um, yeah, I think he he's been spot on on many times, and and he's very accurate with that comment. Yeah, for sure. So twenty twenty two came along, <clears throat> excuse me, and a huge refresh for the syndicate. Luca moved on. Uh, Laurie Jackson and Nina came in. How, how much of a role do you play in those decisions? Uh, not much. No, not at all. Um, uh, Maybe they they would have run the riders past me and 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 just thought you know got my um, my insight into it, but yeah, not really much at all. Okay, is that Steve or other people within the system? Um, I think Steve's involved. I'm not actually sure who's involved in in that, but yeah, I would imagine Steve would play a decent part and role in in that. Yeah, you've got enough going on. So I mean, I remember when Luca joined the syndicate. Um, and I remember the season before I'd seen you guys hanging out, riding together. Um, and it was no surprise to me when he joined. Was it a disappointment <clears throat> when he left the syndicate? Did it feel like he was your, your protege? Yeah, it, it did feel like that when he was joining the syndicate. And uh, yeah, it was sad to see him move on. But man, he's had a great season. He kicked off with, with a bang. I was sad to see him get injured yeah. and uh, have a few spills. But oh, he started strong. And, he, you know, overall, I would say he's had a great season. Yeah, definitely. Um, you also made the switch to Fox, which meant saying goodbye to O'Neill and Oakley, who you've been with for a very long time. Um, we think the o- Oakley partnership is 20 years. Is that right? Oh, yeah, maybe 24 or so. I, wow. I joined Oakley when I was 16. So, wow. Um, yeah, it was sad, sad to leave Oakley. It's, it's been a, a great partnership and uh, we've worked really well together over the years and um, came up with some great product. And, and you know, I felt part of the family. Um, you know, it's uh, Fox was something new, and uh, I, I just found like it was a great opportunity. And yeah. with Fox moving in as a, a team sponsor as well as the syndicate, it, it yeah. just um, that needs to happen. So yeah, I was it's sad to leave, but also again, it's uh, it's a new move, and I've been really stoked with with everything that we've been developing with Fox. So it's uh, yeah, bittersweet, but 
I was so surprised when you left Oakley. Because to me, you know, some people look like Jordan and Nike and stuff like that. Some people you just associate with one brand. They are a perfect fit for that brand. Yeah. And I just thought you were a perfect fit for Oakley. It's a really cool brand. It was right on point with you. Yeah, uh, I felt, I was just, I was sad too. I, I was hoping it could have continued, um, especially on the Arway side. But um, unfortunately, that didn't work out either. So, um, yeah, we have to move on and... Yeah. Were you, uh, were you really happy with the work you did with O'Neill over the years? Because I started with O'Neill the year before you joined through the UK guys. And then I just remember being so excited when you joined because before that, obviously a big brand in motocross, but in mountain biking, it didn't really have a presence. No, I think we built the brand up quite well in mountain biking and it yeah. uh, got to a decent place. So. so Lord's round one this season. I think you had a few bike issues and, and getting runs was also a bit of a challenge. You, you walked away with P16, which I believe you were, you were happy with all things considering. Well, happy. I mean, I'm never happy with a 16. <laughs> uh, you know, I was happy that the pace was there and, and there were moments of, of looking into it and going, well, it's, that's not too, too bad. But yeah, I had a bit of struggle with setup and it was disappointing because I felt really good coming into the season. Yeah, and I had plans to be really ready for Lords, and uh, and and that pissed me off. Um, you know, it was uh, just a setup issue, and and I just couldn't feel comfortable. And but anyway, I, I lost a bit of track pace, and, and finally, when it came around to the race time, it, I was just off the back. Um, and man, the, the pace was hot up front, so I knew we were, I knew we were, I was in for 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 a tough season. When you say setup issues like that. Is it just a few clicks either way? Is is it that that yeah. close? Yeah, yeah. You know, um, one one of the issues was they they got they got a bit of confusion between um, our mechanic and uh, and Fox, and we went to a setting and and the, the shock ended up packing. So, you know, in a in a World Cup when you when you losing runs and your your bikes are handling, and then you you're trying to push it harder, but also you're limited to time on track because yeah. the you know, the, the organization side of the race is the event is terrible. Um, you're under quite a lot of pressure to, to get going. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it was basically just the, the high speed rebound had, had gone one click too far and it makes quite a big difference on, on the shock. So it, it ended up slowing the, the back end down way too much and then going the other way and, and pushing it too far forward where the bike pushes. So I really struggle with the bike in, in, in the modern day of setting up a bike fast, you know, you need that rebound to speed quite high. Yeah. And I struggle with that. I prefer a bike to kind of be at a, at a medium pace rebound so that I can actually control the bike under brake and get off the brakes and carry the speed. Um, when it's, when it's too slow, it's obviously packing, but, yeah. um, you know, if I probably had to get on most of the top 10 bikes or maybe even top 20 bikes, I won't be able to ride them as, as, in, in that setup, it's just too fast for me, uh, the rebound, especially deep into the shock. So um, it's it's a setup that it's it's we had just tried to go too far on one end and, and it, it, it ends up kind of breaking late and not carrying speed. So you, you then raced the national at Fort William. And when I came over to you, I think you were having tyre troubles. I think you'd punctured on the same rock yeah. two runs in a row. Even with all your success on that track, after a few years away, how important was it to kind of try and get that that race in before the World Cup? It was, you know, the, it was important for us as a team to spend more time together 
and um, as well as just get get this testing going and 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 be together and and work on the on, on our bike setup. There, there again, it was just that struggle on on feeling comfortable, and uh, I think that was just due to again the maybe the the back end packing really deep in, in those hits, and we I've never punched so many times in 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 um, in my career. So um, you know, I was on 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 a straight on a calls with with Maxis to see if there was something up with with the tires, or or was it the back end of the bike just you know being way too slow or what was it? So, um, you know, it's, it's nice to have, have guys like Maxis and that backing us because it's, you know, you, they can provide so much confidence when you know what's going on and, and understand that, yeah, you know, it's, it's something else. So, um, you know, we, that, that I felt the pressure going into Fort William already from that testing. Um, it, it wasn't going great. Uh, I wasn't feeling comfortable and, uh, it, it was hard to try and, and get that, that sit up right. A few questions in my head here. Uh, first one is, when did you discover it was the, the rebound? And also, how do you, so you said you'd gone, you know, after the world champs, the bike gets retired, new bike comes in. Do you just go straight to the same setup, same settings that you had before on, on that old bike? Pretty much, yeah. We'll, we'll sit up the bike identically. Yeah, so yeah. It very similar. So when did you discover it was this rebound issue? Was that after Lords? Or? Yeah, so straight after Lords, I, I, myself and Jordi and, and Lyle went out to San Romulo to do some more testing and, and try to get on top of it. And yeah. um, We kind of felt we'd gone to a great place. And then again, it just, uh, Fort William kind of threw me a bit. Yeah. And uh, and then that was hard. So it was probably probably after Fort William that I found like, I was either trying to, I was either trying to run the 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 rebound too fast off the the high speed, yeah, and um, or too slow, and so I, I ended up slowing it down more with the low speed and running slightly faster with the high. Yeah. Um, you know, both are, are kind of both affect each other, so it's it's just the balancing act, and um, I felt I kind of I felt like after Fort William I'd gone to a good place. So Fort William for the, for the uh, World Cup, you seeded P three, ended up P seven. Given you've you'd won, you've won there seven times before. I think um, your splits were a bit back on where we used to see you. I think seventh, twelfth, seventeenth, thirteenth, tenth. Was that purely bike setup, or was no, that the I, weather? You was know, that- I, I felt like you had got to a good place in in Fort William. Um, the P three and in, in, in qualies was cool. Yeah. Um, one thing, if you look back at the footage and, and notice that my my number was flapping on my on my back, and man, that was annoying. And and when you race in a race in Fort William, it's fast. The 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 line is super narrow, especially up top, and you've got this on your back. It's hard to focus hundred percent. So, um, man, it just pissed me off. And so I went back and I watched the footage, and but I could see that I. Uh, you know, when I when I relook at the footage of it, I could see that I hadn't got a great setup. I could see that um, I wasn't quite myself on the bike. I I uh, wasn't attacking hard, and and again, I, I think that I'd gone possibly a wrong direction in setup. So that's why I say after Fort William, I felt a little bit yeah. more comfortable on the bike um, because we had tried one way, and it's just it just wasn't working for me in a race situation. Um, 
But uh, yeah, it's I was disappointed. You know, I, I love racing Fort William. It's uh, I, I like that style of track where you you generating more speed and you're trying to go faster and faster and faster. It's uh, I prefer that to them being on the brakes and trying to control speed. You're the opposite to me. I prefer <laughs> um, Leo Gang. Tough weekend, crashed in seeding and, and ended up 52nd. And then in you, did, did we all crash in seeding or was it, only, you know, it seemed like everyone had a crash in your game. Yeah. Uh, Leo game was, oh man, it was brutal. And then, and then to throw a spanner in the works was like, we're on this track that's starting to dry. Yeah. I mean, come along, like anything else. So I, I wasn't overly disappointed in Leo game. Um, I'd watched footage from the year before with Troy winning. Yeah. And, uh, Troy came in, I think it was like one and a half or two seconds down going into that last woods. Yeah. And Troy was on mud tires. And Troy came out the fastest at the bottom of the woods and ends up winning the race. So I was like, okay, the track's drying. Okay, that's cool. Let's just stick to it. Just be confident on, on mud tires. Just make it down to that wall ride within two seconds, two and a half seconds, that's fine, whatever, of the leader. And things will work out, you know. And uh, I make it to the wall ride within within the time we were kind of planning. I knew I was going to be off there, but you know that was all the dry part of the track, and now it was going to be the the, the meat of it. And I jump into that wall ride, and I think a combination of just you know the, the heat, the day, you know that we had, we're now a little bit hotter in temperature, so the suspension maybe a bit more squidgy, and then the mud tires just folding in, in that out as I hit that wall ride. Yeah. And I just shot off the inside and I just thought, <laughs> man, I've been disqualified twice in my career for, for like going out the tapes. This is definitely going to be on camera. I have to go back, <laughs> do a little U-turn. And then, you know, it's throwing you off your rhythm and you're trying to catch up in this technical wood. But I think I ended up with uh, the fastest key section, which was, you know, strategy-wise, we were all good. Yeah. Uh, execution of the wall ride, terrible. But I mean, I, I couldn't be overly disappointed that, you know, we come through in a target time on, on the sectional track we wanted to be. And uh, yeah, it's just the way it goes. The pace you came into that wall ride, because you jumped into it, if I remember, didn't you? Yeah. You were one of the ones jumping into it. Not everyone was doing that. And uh, yeah, it was a hell of a G out. Yeah. I mean, the Bulldog inspired that, you know, watching the Bulldog jump in there and then shoot out the other side. I was like, oh, I've got to give this a go. And and when I did, it was so cool and so much fun to do. I was like, yeah, it had to be done. Yeah, I'll tell you why everyone's not jumping into it, George, because it's fucking mental. <laughs> the, the G out is the G out is is firm when you when you don't jump into it. But yeah. So you not had your best results um since they changed the track at Leo Gang. It, would you go back to the old one if you had the choice, if without that, that longwood section? Um yeah, I, th- I think it, it's it's so funny because all the riders want everyone technical and fresh, and they do that. Then they go, "No, we want the old track. This is too slow and shitty." But what do you guys want? I, I you know, I don't really mind. I, I enjoy riding Leo Gang. It's a fun track to ride. Um, yeah. There's always just these great ruts. Um, I love the jump lines. There's there's a bit of everything. It's uh, it's you know sometimes they, they say it's a bit bike parky or whatever up top but you know it's still the same winners it's still the same guys up top i don't think it affects the race and it just makes it a lot faster and and uh more precise up top on the on the last episode amory said that he's um 
he likes when they have a variety of different tracks. So, like the new Leger, he preferred the old Leger because it had a style and that was that there was nowhere else like that with the big open grassy turns. Now it's a little bit, there's bits of it that are like Valdisol. It's just metamorphing into World Cup tracks are becoming quite similar compared to how they were. And I, I, I kind of liked having that, that bike parky Leogang track as being one of the rounds of the World Cup. You know, there's the. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I think it, it, there's got to be a variety for sure. I, I, I do feel sorry for any course builder because the amount of complaints. <laughs> And, you know, every rider wants this. And then they give it to the rider and then they go, oh, that's terrible. We actually want that. And these yeah. poor track builders go from um, slowing the track down to then having to speed up the following year to then get a complaint they want more natural. And, you know, sometimes we're just riders just need to ride the track and, and just do our best and race on it because, you know, it is a World Cup and it is a series and no track should be the same. And uh, at the end of the day, it's the the best guy can yeah, – it's the best race on each venue. So, just, just, just ride. Enjoy what you're doing. The track's nice and prepped. Um, have fun doing it and, and do your best. I mean, that's that's racing. Yeah. So moving on from Leo Gang, you were back on the podium the following week, P3 and Lens Eyes. Um, Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I mean, 1.8 off the win at 40 years old. I mean, I think we'll just let that sentence sit for a second. Um, I mean, fuck me, it's in, it's inspiring, but do you feel like you're doing something monumental, being a lot older than the guys that are right there with you? Or I, I don't. I don't. Um, because I just want to win. You yeah. know, I want to mix it up with the guys. So I, I don't really think about that. I was, a bit, I was really stoked to mix it up with Finn and, uh, and Amory. Well, not really, Emery. I was mixed up with Finn. I think we had a, we had a if you look at, if you watch the replay, we have a, a close battle, but man, he rode that bottom section so well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's so, it's so crazy. You, you can be on whatever line you want to be on all the way down the track. You go over the, what do they call it? The wall or something. What's it like? That horrible, well, not horrible. It's like a, an awkward ride with a slip in the rock where you can go over the rock and Finn and I were both on the same line down the inside. Yeah. And then there's like this, Probably the the most dissatisfying left hand corner on the whole track, and yet that track can determine the race or your positioning. Yeah. And it's this not very tech. Well, you say not very technical, but it's kind of basic compared to the rest of the track. And you see my time go from in the green to just behind, and it's basically one left hand corner. And it's it just impresses me. And, and you see it more and more this year that 
you know, the riders pace the whole way down. It doesn't matter what line they're on, where they are on track, they're, they're like neck and neck and then it just be one corner and that corner determines your positioning. Um, I find it so impressive and, and, and the level so high that, that we're going down to like that measly little left-hand corner at the bottom of, of uh, lens height to determine your positioning for the podium. Yeah, it is cool. Yeah, you're dead right. 0.3 back on Finn at the bottom, which is next to nothing and nearly half your age. So it is so cool to see that battle going on in the sport where there's, you're that close and there's that age age difference. Very cool. So prior to Lens Hyde, it had been a few races between podiums. Do you ever get to a point where you're wondering if you're going to get back on there or is it just you're just ready for that next one and just focus? It doesn't really cross my mind that I won't get back on it. Yeah, um, I felt like this year I had pace. You know, my pace was good, but I was really struggling. Um, I was really struggling putting it all together. Yeah, okay. and just having fun, like finding myself having these like little issues here and there, and and just really throwing my race runs. So yeah, it, that, that to me was disappointing. Um, I also find I'm probably a little hard on myself. You know, um, when you look at everything. Uh, from the outside, I, I've basically gone into a new, whole new team this year. Yeah. Although I'm still in the syndicate and uh, Lau was my previous mechanic, everything else has changed. Yeah. So our routine to the races are different. Um, things aren't quite the same as what they used to be. So it does take a bit of time to adjust and adapt. So um, it's, it, it's, it's not always that easy when, 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 when structures change. With that structure change this year, Greg, was that handled in a way where you're like well this is the syndicate i've been on the syndicate forever you guys are coming in you'll behave in a way that works for us or were you much more open-minded and did you did you let the dynamic mold around what it would be with those new guys how was how did it play out i was so busy going into the season i didn't have much time to think and you go and go oh yeah we're in another season you know you kind of after 20 years of racing, you're like, oh, we had another race. World Cup, cool. And uh, you, I, I, I kind of felt I didn't pay enough attention to it. Uh, I, I just kind of went went with the flow and uh, didn't realize I need to put a bit more um, effort into the structure and routine going into each each race. I found myself really busy grabbing stuff and getting stuff ready and doing things slightly different. So, um, yeah, that – but uh, – I think that was a mistake on my, my, my part. You know, it's just uh, sometimes I can be a little bit too blase and just uh, roll into things and, you know, dribble through and they might work out, they might not, but things will be okay. Yeah, okay. Just uh, just loitering on the subject of what we've just been talking about, about whether you feel ever feel things are going to slip away or whatever. Um, obviously, we're completely different levels, but I still see myself as a top 60 athlete just about. Um, I still absolutely love it, but because I'm 33 and I'm coaching and everything else I have going on, I constantly have people messaging me, friends or whatever saying, Oh, are you going to retire yet? Or this, that, and the other. And fuck, it pisses me off. Like I love it. I'll stay racing world cups for as long as I feel like I want to and feel like I can perform at a level that I'm happy with. Does it get annoying people asking you this constant question of, are you going to retire? Do you feel like it's this, that, and the other? Or do you just oh, not, not uh, care? I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you in, a, in another way. Try to be 40 and with a few broken vertebrae and then <laughs> imagine all the messages you're getting. There you uh, go, exactly. Like, actually, I had to have a chat with my mother. 
no problem. Uh, she's so worried. She keeps telling me she bumps into people, and they also say that this should be a good time to stop racing. And uh, and, and it's my fault. I have I haven't had the time to to just go through everything and explain it to her and, yeah. and let her know what's going on. But um, it's uh, it's pretty funny. Yeah. Well, one of the questions I think was a bit further on, but I'll ask it now was the the retirement thing. And I don't want to ask you about the retirement in, in when it's going to happen or anything like that. But I imagine with, with yourself, it's not going to be one of those slipping down the results sheets and, you know, struggling to qualify or whatever. It's going to be, I don't think I can win anymore. That's the end of it. Is that pretty accurate? Yeah, I think, I think you're spot on. Um, you know, I've always had a, a, a close relationship with the guys at Santa Cruz and, you know, it's obviously quite tough. You know, I, they take a lot of faith in, in having me on the team and going into a year in your forties, you know, yep. and, uh, they've been, they've been really understanding. And, and my conversation to them has always been, you know, I'll tell you by, by April if I'm ready or not, because it's, uh, the, the toughest part of the season is, is being prepared and being ready. And, you know, getting to a race, we love riding mountain bikes. We love racing. We love going fast. Um, when you get to a race, the track's really well prepared. It's, it's amazing. There's, you know, you get to, you get to be riding on a bike with most incredible equipment on a nicely groomed track at times. And obviously it's rough through the weekend. Um, but the real tough part is, is that preparation going into April or now June. Um, and so I've always said to the guys at Santa Cruz, if, I'll tell you by April if I'm going to be racing or not. And if I'm feeling like this is going to be my last season, I'll know by then. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's getting out on the same training routes. That's that's monotonous. That's that's horrible. Going back to gym, I hate the gym. You know, you've got to like find your way to the equipment. You got some puzzler there flexing his muscles in the mirror. I mean, it's a terrible place. There's there's way better places to be than in a gym. Yeah. yeah. So, and it's another question that we had for later on, and it might be one of Jack's, but um, I'm going to ask it now because we're talking about it. When you're laid in, in the gym in the early part of the year, laying in a pool of your own sweat, well, what motivates you to keep going? Is it is it winning a World Cup at 40? Is it beating the Frenchies? Is it... You know, what goes through my mind is, is competing and racing. I don't yeah. think about age. Um, uh, yeah, it's solely on... I'm going out to win and be the best I can. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's, it's also tough because the older you get, the, the more weaknesses you find. And, you know, to Jack's point earlier, it's, um, you've got a lot, you, you're a lot busier. You've got things on. Um, and I think that's, that's where, where guys and, and from, you know, from 30 onwards started to feel the pressure. You know, yeah. you miss the mobility session because you feel the gym's a little bit more important. And I swear that the mobility side is way more important than the gym. Yeah. And um, those are the little things you you skip because you need to pick up kids from school or, you know, go to a meeting or, or whatever it is. You know, you've got yeah. a little bit more responsibility. So if you can, I think you've got to manage that well. And I think it's it's those little things, a little mobility session. Um, being able to move well benefits you in so many different ways. You know, if, if it's easy for you to get up in the morning or stand or bend down, you don't think of age, you know, as soon as you're struggling to move around and then that age number starts to creep into your head. And I think it, it can do a lot of damage. On the day my dad turned 70, I remember I was chatting to him and I said, like, 
how do you feel, Dad? You know, you're 70, how do you feel? And he looked at me and he said, I still just feel like I'm 17 inside. And I can feel it now. I go and look in the mirror sometimes and I'm like, oh shit, I look old. You know, like compared to like, I don't feel like that. I'm still, you know, I'm 48. I'm still racing bikes. I'm still playing five aside with Jack on a Wednesday night. None of it is impacting on me. But when I look in the mirror, I look, man, I look a lot older than I feel. That's sometimes you just got to pull down those mirrors, right? I think we're just a new age too. They're so, we're so advanced in the way we can train, eat, health, and everything else. You know, um, it's just a different time. Uh, I think it's, I think it's great that you know a lot of comments I get on social media and from people is just saying how inspiring it is to see someone five years older than them still yeah. racing. You know, they go on the excuses they're too old and. Then no, you're never too old to have fun, right? And uh, it doesn't matter what pace you're riding as long as you're having a good time riding. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so going back to the subject of riding, back on track with the script. P9 in Andorra. Um, the new track did take some flack. You did just mention riders complaining and whinging on about various things um, on the circuit with regard to tracks and what we're riding. What were your thoughts on the new track in Andorra? Yeah, uh, I, must, uh, I must say it was the, the track wasn't too bad, I th- you know. You can eliminate some of those bridges. They yep. were a bit tough. I think the the organization were under pressure too. You know, yeah. um, there's a, a new building going up where the old finish was. I would have loved to have raced on the old track. I think finishing in the town made a lot more sense. Um, but, you know, they were under pressure, pressure to try and get a new track going. They've got world champs coming there in a few years' time. And uh, I must say, with all the challenges, the organization did an amazing job trying to shift people around and, and everything else. Yeah. But two, it wasn't ideal for a World Cup. And uh, it, it, I think it was hard on both sides. But um, it's uh, track-wise, I, I think they did a pretty good job. It, it was great riding the track. I think maybe the man-made bridges weren't when – they definitely weren't ideal. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I th- I'm pretty sure there, there'll be a big change for next season um, yeah. approaching that. But, yeah, I think it was tough on everyone. Um you know, and uh, you got to understand it from an organization. You know, we're not we're not in a position right now where where Donald can kind of dictate where we want to be racing. You know, it's yeah. um, we we lack venues, and uh, we can't lose a venue because you know um, we've got to give them the opportunity and understand that they're also in a tough position where they couldn't use the old Donald track, and they still need to try and shift people around, and and they yeah. they didn't quite get it right, but um, they will be so. Yeah, I understand it from their side, but, um, and they understand it from a safety point of view from the rider's side and, um, changes will be made. Yeah, for sure. So over to Snowshoe, back on the podium again. Um, and I just want to pause mid script here to mention you're on the podium with Ron Dunn. Um, hell of a ride from him. What, what are your, uh, what are your thoughts on that young lad? What a wild man. <laughs> Jesus, it's incredible. I, I get so excited watching him because he's just, uh, Either he has this massive crash and just walks away like nothing's happened. Yeah. Like the Conor McGregor of mountain biking. (laughs) (laughs) He's just some tough kid. But man, he had a great season. And, and once he had that, that podium and he broke bloody well. I mean, that condition in, uh, in snowshoe was probably the greasiest condition I've ridden in my career. Yeah. You know, and there's nothing you can do. It doesn't matter, um, what time you want to go for. Once you hit those greasy rocks, um, it, 
it, your bike's just dancing all over the place. So, yeah. man, it showed what skill this, this kid's got. And, uh, yeah, he's definitely one to watch going forward. But, sure. you know, I think he, he had a few good results after that that podium, but that podium wasn't lucky. That was a great ride, an unbelievable ride. Yeah, absolutely. I I was 60th in qualifying and then there was a rerun which put me 61st. And and honestly, because of the conditions and how much I was looking forward to Monte and I was I was quite happy to be trackside uh, Sunday morning. And he was one of the standout riders that morning. And I thought, wow, that that wasn't a lucky qualifying. He's going to do well. And, and, and he did. He got on the podium with you guys. So, yeah, good to see him. It'll be good to see what future he's got. Yeah, he backed it up incredibly well. Um, and you know, fair play. It's you know one thing to to qualify well, and then suddenly you got this pressure. And yeah. he held his head. He held it all together. He re- he had an amazing ride. Yeah. Okay. So back to you. Um, P five on what you just said. Very awkward track. Um, your hundred and fiftieth World Cup start and your eighty fourth podium. Do you know if you've ever had a season without a World Cup podium? I'm not sure. No, I'm not sure. George, do we know the answers to that? No, that the reason I was asking that was because I couldn't. The, the, <laughs> it go, the career goes back too far for me to troll through, but I can't. I can't remember a season without you having a podium. That's just incredible, isn't it? There you go. So if anyone does know the answer to that, I guess you can stick it in the comments. On I should have mes- so should have messaged Martin Whiteley. Really, he someone will find that out and let us know. Yeah. But there we go. Um, happy with that weekend, Greg? Yeah, it was tough. Eh? I mean, oh, it was a tough race. I'm glad to get out of there. That also weather. with some, some new sections of track that just rutted up really bad, but I had a lot of fun in there. Um, also, I had a lot of crashes as well. I mean, <laughs> it was hard to stay upright. Yeah. Um, I remember coming down and and uh, watching Lewick just have a massive one. And I was like, wow, he's pushing way hard. The next run, I was in the same corner on my back, just sliding. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was comical. But um, yeah, and then I had a massive slam. I had a big slam down the bottom in in uh, time training. I, I, I rode into a rut. The rut was so deep that it, my wheels just stopped and I went over the bar straight onto my head and uh, ended up scratching my helmet, which I was pissed off about. But anyway, um, it was cool. It, you know, it was such a tough track to, to be up there. I, I was happy. Um, I was definitely happy. Um, cool. So post-snowshoe, Omri's won four of the six races we've had this season. You've raised everyone. Nico Volios, Gwynny when he was Gwynny, and maybe we're going to see that again soon. Who knows? But Petey, Loic, where does Omri rank to you and the you know the top guys you raced? Um, and is there anything you take from watching his riding? Oh, Emery's a hell of a tough competitor. Um, you know, I, when I look at them, they're so prepared. He's so prepared coming into every race. It's incredible. And uh, he rides a hard, solid pace from top to bottom. Um, he, he definitely ranks highly. Uh, you know, you go back to to the years of Nico and, and racing against Nico, and um, Nico was was different. It's different time of racing. We we yeah. re raced a different style. The styles that you know, I, I think over the years you've had um, you've watched the progression of the style of racing, and and that's been a way to adapt to. One of the things I've had to adapt to. Um, it's uh it's definitely a a different beast to what we raced back then it's this you know I, I, you go you go into the early 2000s there was time to have a little breather before you attack the technical where now you attack the technical harder and you don't have any breathers yeah um yeah. but uh, no Anne-Marie's man he's, he's been riding well the last couple of seasons 
Um, but this year was exceptional. He he definitely um he definitely showed his his, his strength. So Mont Saint Anne, you seeded second. Race run going so well. Second in sector one, fourth in sector two, third in sector three. Hit a tree in sector four. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come along. Mont Saint Anne's been tough for me. Yeah, uh, I think I've only won there once. Yeah, I've had a bunch of seconds. Um, I've had quite a few crashes in the race runs. But uh, yeah, I was feeling good there. I felt really comfortable, and I, I knew down the bottom from from qualies that that I had a bit more pace, and uh, I had a few lines that that were working well for me. And uh, I I actually came real close to crashing going into that that rocky section. Uh, I don't know what you call it. It's, it's basically the bottom half. You come out from the open into the into the rocks, and there's like a left hand, and there's rock steps, and I I lose the back end, and. Uh, I almost go down. I take a dab, but now I've got to ride this the whole t- um, the whole rock section unclipped. So I managed to clip in as you're doing the drop down, exiting the rocks. And so I think, okay, shit, I've lost a bunch of time. Uh, you know, I've made mistakes higher up. I'm catching up, and then I, I blow it again. Um, I need to go hard. And so I come into that section where I've got that gap jump, and uh, there's a little step down before it. But because I'm under pressure and feel I need to go a bit faster. I jump a bit deep and I lose speed to, to do the gap, but I just think, no, screw it. I need to go for it. And, uh, I pick up for it and, uh, timing a little bit out and I just start to go skew in the air and I'm looking down and, and there's a rock right on the landing. And yeah. I'm just like, it, it honestly felt like about five seconds, but <laughs> as I'm looking down, I can just see my friend. I'm trying to like pull the front wheel up because if I can just get it on top of the rock, at least the bike will push forward because if it if it's going where it looks like it's going to give you the bike is going to push back and I'm going over the bars quite badly, and uh, I managed to land like surprised that the bike's pushed forward and I'm still on the bike but now I'm way off balance and I'm just aiming for that maple and uh, take it quite you know I managed to, you know I think I, I I'm quite proud of myself you know from uh, watching Laura slip to the tree and in uh west virginia the year before I, I think i took some tips out of that and managed to slip that one but uh <laughs> I, I was lucky there i was lucky not to get hurt and and but yeah um, i was happy with the weekend disappointed i couldn't uh follow through and and you know even a, a second or third or even a fourth would have been a lot better than a 30th or whatever yeah. wherever i finished i don't even know where i finished on to worlds in leger if 2021 in val de sol was your week Leger just never really felt like it was. Is that pretty accurate? It just never seemed to get going. I think back to that week. Well, I started off with some amazing kit. I mean, did you see that kit that Fox made? Yeah. yeah it was nice. Man, it looked good. Yeah. I think that's been the best kit I've had in my career. It just, everything looked great. So that, that, that was a great kickstart to the weekend. I, I, I felt good. I actually, I actually felt pretty good in Leger. Yeah. Um, practice went well. I started to get a good rhythm going and uh, I felt really good leading into that. And uh, I just, I just got thrown off a little bit in my run um, up top, like going into the first split, you, you kind of do a few jumps, step down, like slightly to the left. And then you've got the first right hand corner, the real first corner of the track and I ended up running late and uh, just throwing me off and playing this catch up, you know, the whole way down and then possibly just being on that on that frustrating side of pushing too hard and not carrying enough speed. Yeah. 
the goat is a title I think is widely accepted that you own at the moment. After capturing his fifth elite world title, sixth in total, are, are you worried about Loic taking it from you? Um, I'm not. You know, I've, I've never set out to to be in this position. You know, yeah. Um, I just wanted to succeed as a, a mountain bike racer, and so that title is is something that I never really aimed to work towards or for. And um, but you know, when you're the super Bruni, that is a, a way nicer title to have, I must say. And it's very fitting right now. He's a man is impressive to watch. Great guy on and off the bike. But that World Champs run was special, man. It's uh, it's disappointing we didn't get to see where that two and a half seconds was made up. Yeah. To be in front of that crowd and to hold everything together. And and again, a tricky condition down to the bottom. You know, it, we, we got to, um, to Leger where it was so dry and dusty that it was so hard to control the speed of the bike and to, and to corner and to carry speed. I mean, we saw Jackson go down in, in just a tricky section because it's, it's, it's so dry and dusty. So um, really tough condition and being in front of a home crowd, loads of pressure and man, he pulled it off. It was, it was incredible. And all three of them, you yeah, know, yeah. Laris and, and Anne-Marie, it's, uh, it was, it was crazy. What a weekend. A good run in Valdisol, and I think you could have got fifth in the overall. As it was, the, the crash pushed you down to tenth in the final standings. I, I don't think we know for sure, but that should mean you're protected for, for 2023. Well, if not, I'll be bloody disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it was crazy because I, um, I just got a hospital. I just had some scans and went for the doctors. And, you know, that was probably the only moment where I was like, a friend of mine had to retire from rugby because of a neck injury and and his vertebra had been displaced and um you know that that uh that was starting to go through my mind is, is how severe this injury is yep and uh, i picked up my phone and i was like i was the, the last 10 guys to come down so i started watching and uh my fiance and, and gaspari from crank brothers had were down in the hospital with me but you know they're waiting on the benches and I'm in this bed trying to hold my phone. And, and then I like, I go get all excited and they come over like, what's going on? I was like, oh, I finished 10th overall. I'm protected for next season. And they're like, well, you're not going to even think about maybe retiring. I was like, there's no way I'm 10th. I'm protected. It doesn't matter. Things are good. And it gave me a bit of, uh, bit of hope and excitement in the hospital. Excellent. So what are your thoughts about ESO and Discovery taking over? Um, in what way? Well, it's been a good run with Red Bull. I think Red Bull have taken it. There's a few things they could have done better, perhaps maybe some coverage of the juniors and things like that, but they've pushed the sport. You know, it's come on massively from when it was on Freecast. I think they've done it. You, everybody would pretty much agree they've done a great job. ESO taking over, it's going to be different. Have I don't really know. We, we don't really know anything, so it's hard to judge, but we, we sad to say goodbye to Red Bull. Do, do you, are you optimistic for the future or do you, are you glass half full about it or are you glass half empty? Yeah, I think, I think you're right. Red Bull did an incredible job. I mean, yeah. I, I remember going back to the freecast days where, um, the, the live feed used to stall out at, I think like 120,000 viewers. Yep. Um, Red Bull have, you know, pushed that up to probably close on a million. Also, so it's been great. It's been great. Ripple have done an incredible job. Um, you know, it's uh, we don't know a lot what's going to go down in the future. Obviously, we've had discussions with Chris Ball and his team, yep. and uh, 
they seem to have a plan and, and we've got to go along with it. You know, it's, um, I'm not a TV expert and uh, I've got to trust those that are. And if they're going to come in and, and uh, provide a production, we, we better hope and, well, we've got to have confidence that they know what they're doing. Um, from an organizational point, I think it's going to be a positive move. Um, you see, I've been organizing the downhill events and World Cups for, for some time and, uh, and they're not really an organizational, um, an organization. Um, you know, they, uh, this is the first time that they've stepped in and, and without UCR stepping in to run the World Cups, we wouldn't have had World Cups. So, yeah. um, I think they've played a great part the last, I think it's been five or six years or whatever it has been on an organizational point to actually take it on. Um, so we've been lucky in that aspect, but now to be passed on to a whole group to, to organize and run the World Cups, I think that's good. We're going to see a big difference there. Cool. So going back to the new team. Um, Laurie had to battle hard this season. He was sick a couple of times, I think. Uh, he broke his foot. Um, but there was some incred- incredible riding in there. Second up. What a tough guy. Yeah. You know, I didn't know Laurie going, getting, uh, I didn't know Laurie very well going into the season, but it's been, it's been great fun. You know, we had, we had a good time in, uh, uh, in team camp watching him surf because he's an incredible surfer. Um, he's such a laid back, uh, he, he's like a, He's like a laid back surfer, but then when you talk about mountain bikes, he gets ultra focused and he's just got so much attention to detail and, and, uh, it's been incredible to watch. Yeah. I can relate to that. I spent a bit of time with him at worlds in 2017 and we were hanging out, um, off the bikes and I wanted to obviously ride with him, but it was so dusty that year in Cairns. I didn't really spend any time with him on the bike, but yeah, he, he has this incredible way of being the most chilled out guy. And at times it almost felt like we weren't even at a race. Mm. And then all of a sudden you just see him change and just this laser focus would turn on and he'd be like, yeah, I'm going to win. Um, so, then, so, yeah. I mean, going into world champs, he ends up having a crash um, and breaking his foot and and goes on to having a, a great race there and a great ride and, and, you know, puts it all together, goes for an extra and he's got this broken foot, which then he takes to follow the soul to keep going. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. Insane. So yeah, second in Montanan to Finn, third at Fort William. Um, he had that incredible top split at Leo Gang before he crashed. What's it like having him on the team? I mean, you've just told us some stuff, but yeah, it's been great. You know, he's he's been a great teammate. Um, you know, he's he shared a lot of stuff with me and I've learned a lot from him. So um it's uh yeah, it's been a it's been a pleasure to work with him. Nice. So I mean, Jackson and Jordan have just dominated the junior category this season. Um, can you remember two juniors setting times like we've seen? You know, it's it's uh, when I saw this question pop up, I had to think about it a little bit. But, yep. you know, I, it, it's so hard and we're so busy on race weekends. To be honest, I haven't really watched junior racing much. Yep. And this is the first time I've actually paid any attention to it. You know, I've got a teammate, I'm supporting him, watching him through and, and seeing what he's going through. So... But th- those two have had an incredible battle. It's um, it's it's been it's been good to to watch and and to watch these two young guns go at it. Yeah, and then behind those guys, we've got this group of juniors who are also setting times well inside <clears throat> the top sixty uh, men. Some of them well inside the top twenty. Um, are you excited to see Jackson and Jordan and these other juniors come through next year into elite? Or are you a little bit more like me and thinking, Oh shit. Um, <laughs> space is running out for all of us. Yeah. Listen, no, it's sort of this list of Nicholas and Amory and 
Loic and Petey and Sam and and Gwen. Now we're going to throw in a Jackson and a Jordan. Yeah. What is it? I don't know. I think it's cool. I think it's going to be exciting to see. There's a lot of lot of talk about them coming into the elites. I think that's great as a junior to to have support going in, and uh, it's going to make it exciting. You know, it's um, it's uh, unfortunately we don't get to see the, all the coverage of the junior racing, like we mentioned before. Um, but uh, now we'll see it first. You know. Right in front of us, it's going to be exciting. Yeah, for sure. So Nina had a solid season. Uh, the win in Fort William was incredibly impressive, and her style on the bike looks like it's much improved since it, she's joined the syndicate. Have you had played much of a part in that? Have you spent much time riding with her and helping her develop, or has that been more Steve's role? Yeah, Steve's done an incredible job. You know, he got out to the UK. They went and rode a lot of bike parks. Um, oh, it's 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 really seen in her in her confidence on the bike. Yeah, and um, you know we out at the US Open a couple of weeks ago, and off she was to to smash off a few whips and the whip off, and I was like, "Well, this is really cool. It's it's good to see." So, yeah, she's really coming into that, and yeah, I can't I can't take any credit there. Steve Steve um, Steve got out to the UK, taking around to to Diffie Bike Park to to all these great places to ride, and and which is incredible now in the UK. And uh, wow, he's he's really done an incredible job there. Nice. So sorry to do this again. I, I didn't write this script just to uh, confirm that, but we're going back to the age thing. Um, you're 41 in a few weeks. Nina's 26, Laurie's 25, and Jackson is 18. Um, has that changed the vibe on, on the team massively um, as to what you had before? Um, yeah, there's, there definitely has. I mean, we've, we've got a whole new team, really. Um, you know, all new mechanics, barring Lyle. Um, and three added riders, as well as the, you know, it's the first time a female's been on the on the syndicate. So it's it's been a great vibe. Um, the dynamics great, and you can't ask for more in a team. Yeah. Nice. Have you gravitated more towards Steve and Lyle, the older guys on the team, or is it very much where everyone's in one pot and you're all just getting on together? Yeah, that that you know that that's the thing with the with the team right now is that when you sit down at the dinner table, everyone sits anywhere. And uh, there, there's nice. no, you know, it's, it's everyone just hangs out and has a good time. It's um, there, there's funny stories. We always have it. There's always a good time. Obviously, yeah. Steve and I are long time friends. We've been friends for for quite some time, so we always spend a bit more time with each other. Um, probably later at night, but <laughs> that, it's, uh, it's, been, it's been it's it's been cool. It's, it's been so. Good night. Uh, no Kathy on the tour this season, and I, I believe that was quite a big miss. Uh, how hard does it make it if, like, a core member of the the behind the scenes team isn't there? Yeah, I think we touched on it earlier. It's um, it's something that I was uh, had to try and adjust to. You know, Kathy's yeah. been very instrumental and, and great for the riders in, in previous years of the syndicate, and uh, yeah, that that was a, a took a bit of adjusting, and yeah, uh, yeah it's it's never easy, but that's uh and i've got to ask you about the riders union that was kind of mooted mid-season and 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 kind of got a foothold which emily is um playing a part in and it's unfortunate she can't be here today but it was implied that it was a bit too much for a rider who was pushing for podiums every weekend to also be the uci rider rep because their their focus is is elsewhere you and miriam are the reps again, I think, for 2023. Did, did you agree with the logic behind what the, the, the Riders' Union was looking for, why it was established? 
What what were they looking for? I think they wanted more <laughs> a wider of a view. That's he did yeah no no i was prepared for that one (laughs) we believe it or not greg we've talked about this question a little bit on our little whatsapp group of how i should phrase it give us your thoughts on the riders union i I think uh yeah i think you know the riders were worried about move forward and and rightfully so um one of the biggest concerns is is safety and and that i totally understand um yeah you know i've been in the riders rep since 2008. Um, yeah. And I, I, I think one of the biggest problems is the riders misunderstand what, what actually happens in a commission meeting and what can be disclosed. And, and, and normally those meetings are held confidentially. So it's, uh, uh, you know, when they, when they say there's nothing coming from UCI, it's, it's, uh, it's not from that. The riders rep can't, is not, um, communicating with all the riders, it's it's that's the way UCL works, and that's the way the commission is set up. Um, so I think things started to change when when the union actually looked into the the commission and how the commission is structured and operates. And once they realised that there's a non disclosure of 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 the meetings, it's then they understand that that's not a lack of communication or because the riders too busy. It's actually just the way it's structured, and and we can't talk about what goes on. Um, you know, I've been pretty open with the riders as to, to how those, those uh, commission meetings operate and, and how, and what we speak about and what, you know, what we can vote on and how it all works. Um, just so they get a better understanding. It's not that we go in there going, we need this and we must change it. You know, we, we go through a whole bunch of different stuff. So I think once the union got a bit of better understanding of, of what goes on and, and Emmeline had read through, um, the rules of the commission, I think that kind of changed their perception quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and, and that's fine too. Riders need to know that as well. Um, I, I haven't heard much of the union or what's going on. We had meetings uh, straight after, um, Baldasol and I'm not quite sure what's going on. I don't think a union itself is the right way to go about it. I think riders being associated and talking more amongst each other is probably a better way to go. And, uh, yeah. So I, I yeah, I, I haven't heard much do, or, or seen much since then. Do you think they should have more of a voice? You know, like, say, for I mean, I'll bring it up again, the bridges in Andorra, for example. I think that was one of the things that, that, that well, one of the issues that everybody knows about. Do you think they should have more say in that and be able to do something about it? Or is it one of those, it's the track's the track. There's not a lot we can do once it's all planned and signed off by the UCI, which I think happens weeks, months before the, the actual race. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think it's quite complex in, in a sense that, yeah, for sure, safety is number one. Like yeah. riders need to have a say in, in the safety and, and that's super important. What I've noticed in the last couple of years is riders' safety is also uh, slightly skewed between the lines that they want to ride and how they want to ride the track. Yeah. And I've noticed quite a few things being changed on track, not necessarily there are safety issues because yeah. we ride in a sport that's in the natural terrain where there are rocks and roots and trees. Mm. Um, but depending on how that rider wants to attack the track is, is how they've been adjusting the track in safety. And to me, that's not quite right. A track has to be safe and that's super important. And we have to have, we have to have a say in that. And, mm. you know, at being at an event is possibly too late. This needs to happen before we get there. Um, so that, so that's super important. Um, we, we're in a position where 
downhill doesn't have a lot of venues to go to. And it's not like we have 20 venues and we're picking the best eights. Mm. Um, we've probably got six or seven venues bidding and, and ESO and Discovery are working on more venues for us to go to. Um, yeah. if, if the position was the other way around, then I think, you know, it might be worth us voicing more, but we're not. So we need to work with what we have and, and try and grow this to, to more venues and, and get more venues on board. Yeah. But that shouldn't lack safety. Um, and, and, and that should be a priority. 100%. But something a bit more, um, um, I'm trying to think of the words now. We'll just talk Bike about the bikes. Back to bikes. <laughs> so the V10, you're riding, you're currently riding the Mark 7, which was launched in 2019. So you've done four seasons on it. What a Mark 7, really? I think it was Mark 7 when I, ah. when I Googled it. Well, I Googled it. It's, it's quite a long time for a model to go updated. We just go without being updated for seasons. Are, are you working on an update? Is there a new bike coming or? Uh, I'm sure there must be. I mean, <laughs> you, you can't sit around too long without launching something. So, um, yeah, there must be a bike being worked on at some point. You know, those guys at Santa Cruz are, are flat out and, and they've got a great development team. So yeah. I'm sure there's something in the pipeline. Nice. Okay. So next year we start a little bit later. We start in June, but the World Cup's run through to October. Obviously, you're not going to have, as you said earlier, the normal off-season you would have because you're recovering from an injury. Um, but when are you looking at your off-season ending and your pre-season really kicking in? I actually haven't looked, to be honest. I know we start off, I know we kick off in June. Uh, yeah. We're probably going to, uh, there's talk of test events and stuff like that coming up, which is quite exciting. And you know, that will give us a, a bit of a taste of what we're in for for the season. But I think it's a really smart idea from Discovery to, to put on a test event to yeah. to get a feel for things and try and iron out stuff um, before the first World Cup, which, um, you know, if 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 ESO and is taking this approach, I feel like we're in for some really good changes coming up. Yeah, um, I definitely need a bit of off-season. Yeah, um, 100%. Uh, I'm hoping after the scans I can get out of this neck brace and and start moving my neck a bit and um it's uh i'm gonna i'm, I'm gonna take it slow getting back on the bike it's definitely i'm not gonna rush it i don't need to rush it we've got time yeah. and nice um, my last question george has already asked um, yeah <laughs> so we know what motivates you um so i'll just sign off with just saying good luck with your recovery and yeah thanks jack fucking inspiring to see what you're doing and how well you you're racing and i'll see you back there next year yeah thanks a lot man and have a good yeah. off season yeah, cheers, mate. Yeah, be best of luck, Greg, for, for 2023. From all us old boys racing the vets and grand vets categories, thank you for keeping yourself at the sharp end and, and just every season making us question what's possible. It's so inspiring. And, and thank you for, for making the time to come on the pod. I know how busy you are and, and every time we no, chat, thanks, it's, it's a huge insight. No, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. It's it's always great chatting to you guys and, and maybe plan it a bit better next year. If we know that it's such a... It's a, such a uh, inspiring, lucky podcast to be on. We should plan it a, a bit ahead of some good events, maybe like a week before Fort William. Or yeah, something. you and Miriam the week before Fort William. Uh, I'll, let's, I'll let's drop her in now. Let's, <laughs> let's put it in the, in the calendar. Nice. <laughs> cool. We'll be back with 2022 Junior World Champion Jordan Williams after these messages. Hi, I'm Ollie Wilkins. And I'm Ben, the Deaconator Deacon. We've just spent the last week at Ride Southern Spain. Having a fantastic time. We yeah. have. We've ridden countless amounts of enduro and epic downhill trails. That's right, they have a workshop, swimming pool, pizza oven, fire pit. They've even got a donkey here, dude. You get a free beer for your rides, you know? That's all right, is that like... 
So we've just dropped into this first trail of a day. Cheeky little uh, off-piece line here. Nice little dusty berm at the bottom to catch you. <laughs> 600 pounds a week includes accommodation, airport transfers, six days of uplifts and guiding. Check out their social media or website to book your holiday at Ride Southern Spain. Ride Southern Spain. Choose single track. Choose print. Choose digital. Choose an independent mountain bike magazine. Choose mountain bike culture. Choose adventure and mishap. Choose great stories and glorious photography. Choose ad-free access to our website. Choose time out with a mug of tea. Choose an annual subscription. Choose a monthly subscription. Choose discounts in our shop on a range of ethical products. Choose bobble hats. Choose hip flasks. Choose gift subscriptions for your friends. Choose single track salvation for your arse. Choose a username. Choose a community. Choose to support independent publishing. Choose your future and our future. Choose single track. If you're enjoying the Making Up the Numbers podcast, hit subscribe now so you don't miss an episode and drop us a review whenever it's convenient. For additional content, follow us on Instagram at Making Up the Numbers Racing. I started racing downhill in 2014 and despite two solid seasons of terrible results, was somehow invited to join the Revolution Bike Park race team for the 2016 season. Some people have said that I was brought in as a replacement for the outgoing Joe Breeden, but it was never made official, so that will just remain pure speculation. <laughs> but as we reached the halfway point of the 2016 season, with all my teammates challenging for national titles, but my results showing little sign of improvement, I started a blog writing race reports about life towards the back of the pack in the vets category. That blog, Making Up the Numbers, was picked up for the 2017 season by Single Track, where it ran for three years before being replaced by this podcast. Why am I telling you this? Well, in those race reports, I also covered the other categories too. And whilst the winner of most categories changed every weekend, the winner of the juvenile category rarely did. And it was a young lad called Jordan Williams. His name stuck with me. And like many others, I've followed his progress ever since. And I'm delighted to welcome him onto the podcast. Jordan Williams, how's it going? Yo, guys. Thanks for having me. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing good. Just chilling at home, doing a bit of riding. And yeah, just enjoying the off-season. Excellent. So let's go back a bit because you were actually racing before those juvenile seasons. I think you started racing the, the mini downhills at the Forest of Dean in 2014 when you were 10. Did you get the race bug straight away? Yeah, they're, they're, they were some fun years. I, I used to race motocross right. when I was about seven. And then I had a few injuries and sort of stopped that a bit and then got a mountain bike. And I remember just begging my dad, let's go racing, let's go racing. And then, so we entered, uh, entered the mini downhill and then went and did that. And yeah, went from, from there, really. So do you think the motocross helps as a, as a small kid? Yeah, definitely. Because you, you learn, although it's different, you learn to ride a bike, you, you learn like the racing aspect of it. And yeah, you, you, I feel like if you race motocross or race BMX, before mountain bikes, it can really help you. Knowing your dad as well as I know him, I can't imagine he took much persuasion either to go and... Uh, <laughs> yeah. <you know. laughs> oh, I did about, a, did about a year of riding, actually, before my first race. Okay. Right. And then and then I remember saying, can we do a race? And then we went and did one in, in December at Forest of Dean, yeah. Nice. So were you, as, were you as good at the motocross as you are on a, at the downhill or not? Uh, if I can remember, I was, I was pretty good because... You can start racing from when you're six, a motocross, yeah. which is pretty crazy to think. <laughs> and uh, 
yeah, I remember a lot of the kids were about 10 or nine and I was like six and seven and racing them. I remember like trying to beat them every weekend. So it was, yeah, it was, I, I think I was pretty good, but I wasn't, I wasn't like someone amazing, you know. That, that's mad that you can race motocross at six or seven yeah, with an is, engine, yeah. but you can't race a, a bike until you're way, way older than that. Yeah. So 2015, you're an 11-year-old racing 12-year-olds, and you're always in the top 10. January 2016, you take your first win, and then boom, you win 13 of your next 14 races. Did that first win give you a, a huge confidence boost? Uh, I can't actually remember back then, but... I can remember my first few races were on a hardtail, like an XC bike. Right. Flat pedals, like football shoes. It was pretty funny. but <laughs> uh, And then I remember I got a downhill bike and then I won my first race. And then just from there onwards, it, the, having the downhill bike helped. So. Yeah. I can imagine if you're racing on a hardtail yeah. and then you switch to something, you know, that's actually built for the job that's going to have a massive impact in it yeah it definitely did yeah what was the downhill bike what was the first downhill bike uh new proof pulse it was oh, 26 nice. inch wheels you know yeah small little bike and way too big for me at that age but <laughs> it worked <laughs> they were good bikes yeah so turning 13 you became a juvenile which is probably where most kids start racing but you already had you know 20 plus races under your belt at this point yeah. was the mini dh seen it was that a good introduction to racing would you think yeah definitely i think those sort of races it's sort of like a national for the younger kids yeah that's like the biggest race the the tracks there are pretty technical for 10 yeah. year olds and whatever and everyone does those races I remember chris coming from ireland he always used to come over and race them and yeah i think it's definitely a big help to the younger younger kids racing nice yeah get some used to it so you then raced a lot of the Winter Series too, um, and the Ford Winter Series, it's rooty, it's it's going to be very slippy. Do you feel yeah. like that helped you develop your riding at an early age? Yeah, definitely. It's just, like, as I said, some of the tracks are they're pretty pretty technical for 10-year-olds, yeah, sure. so it definitely helped a lot. Nice. And we're having that competition there as well with everyone there. It's you're pushing hard and, yeah. But you're used to it early. Do you still go to the Forest today? Uh, I do a bit, definitely not as much, but I do yeah. I do ride there quite a bit. I have a lot of my mate, mates that actually live there, so I ride there quite a bit, yeah. I haven't been for ages. I remember there was one there was one track called Sheep Skull, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was my that was my favourite, I think. It's probably been like five or six years since I've been there. Yeah. Yeah, and George has pointed out that did you do some coaching with uh, Charlie Hatton when you were younger? Yeah, I did, yeah. Charlie helped me quite a bit actually. I remember first day coaching with him yeah. uh he sort of showed me the basics and he was like you're actually pretty good so he's like let's just go on uplift day and you follow me yeah and i think he was like that that will help you more than me trying to teach you uh the basics that you already know if you get yeah. me yeah. for sure yeah it's interesting that george has picked up on that because in 2017 when charlie had his amazing season yeah I, I was almost going to say it's where the sport was almost transitioning a little bit, but maybe that's maybe that's wrong. But I remember watching Charlie, and I don't think many people will argue with me when I say he's got one of the best styles for racing. Yeah, definitely. Body position is faultless. He he maintains it, and I took a, I analyzed that a lot myself for my own 
ride in yeah. my own position and then off the back and I've then used a lot of that in my own coaching um, so it's interesting that, that George has picked out that stat that Charlie coached you when you were younger yeah he stood I think around that time I was meant to come out to Portugal with you Jack and yeah, I, I couldn't come at the last minute and Binzi went in my place and yeah. he came back and he went I said, oh, what was it like? And he was like, there's this young kid called Charlie Hatton, and he's the best kid I've ever seen on a bike. That he must was be like, 16, I think, because Charlie was an elite in 17. So that yeah. would have been 2016, his second year junior. I remember yeah. that. He, I think he won the junior race there at Faro. Yeah. So moving on to 2017, first year juvenile, you start racing the Pierce and one yeah. national, which you won. And the tw- then 2018, that's when you, you, you came onto my radar. I remember you winning in Fort William at 14. You first raced down the bill and you, you did a 5.13 beating William Brody, who I think was the local by, by over seven seconds. Tell us a bit about that. Was that, was that a big result for you? Yeah. Obviously, as a kid, going to Fort William, I was like, oh, I'm racing this track that I've watched your pros race at the World Cup. And it was like a long track, a unique track. And, I remember it being pretty cool and having that time as a juvenile, I was, I was pretty stoked with that. And how did you find Fort Bill? Cause you know, it's hard for elite athletes, you know? Yeah. I think it's one of those tracks that suits my style. Right. As I, I think I've got the style of quite smooth and, uh, I always do well on like fast and rough tracks. So I think it sort of suited me straight away and I really gelled with it. Yeah. So th- that season you became national champ for the first time um, at Glencoe. I talk about that race quite regularly. You won juvenile. Luke Williamson won, won youth with a faster time than Cade Edwards, who won junior. And, and Matt Walker won an elite. What what a quartet of British British talent there, eh? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I remember I remember that day because Luke beat me and it was like, oh, I've not just been, I've not been junior, I've been youthed. <laughs> Yeah. And I had a decent run. I think I was like sixth or something in elite, and uh, I remember Luke standing out for that one. So, what what did you think? If you, if you like the rougher tracks, faster tracks, what did you think to Glencoe? Because that's that's rough, but it's it's not it's, it's not one of the faster tracks, is it? It's, well, it is in places, but it's steep. Yeah, I remember that race. It was a funny one because the weather was bad. It was rainy, windy. It was horrible, and. Uh, our race run we got red flagged so it was like four five ju- uh, juveniles that had to go back and go back up and do a rerun and then the timing was wrong and we we're all stuck at the top freezing cold it was <laughs> it was a bit of a nightmare but yeah i remember it being a hard one but it was it was a good race yeah he couldn't be more different to the forest of dean really glencore could it no, no, <laughs> and and I wouldn't want to be stuck up there at the top. I've been stuck up there at the top yeah. think, when the weather's turned. I remember years back. I, I couldn't tell you what year. We're going back, maybe 2013, maybe even before. And I remember we were sat up there. The lift had closed. It was yeah. Saturday, and we were all in there. As you go up the lift towards the top, there's like a shed on the right. Yeah, we were all huddled in there, and I just remember someone like Petey or someone just pointing and starting laughing. And we all look round and Greg Menard is sat on this barrel, just like blowing on his hands, just yeah. like he'd, he'd been taken to hell. <laughs> and S- Steve or someone shouted at him like, Greg, and he just kind of just went, <laughs> get him finger and then just looked back down at his hands and about an hour later, they called the race off. 
And it was just like, fucking hell, yeah, this is a wild place to race battle. Yeah, it is, uh, definitely. <laughs> we, we talk a bit on the pod about, about team managers looking for talent. And if they can find a, a rider who's not just winning, but, but setting times that would win the category above, that really grabs their attention. Is that something you were trying to do? Uh, I don't think that was necessarily something I was trying to do. I think I was just going there to win the race, get the jersey and see how fast I could go. And obviously with all that weather, it's hard, but I don't think I was trying to beat the categories, but I think it's always nice to look after the race, see where yeah. you would have finished in the category above. Cool. So 2019, you joined Madison Saracen. Tell us a bit about how that came about. Yeah, that was a pretty cool one. I, my dad spoke to Matt Walker a bit and yeah. then sort of started talking and then Matt mentioned it to Will and then sort of spoke to Will a few times. We met at the last few nationals and then tried the bike and we liked it and then, yeah, just went from there. Cool. And you moved up to youth and won a couple of nationals in your first season on the team. Then 2020 COVID hits and, and no races whatsoever. How, how did you deal with that? Yeah, that was a hard one for sure because I uh, I haven't really got any riding near me where I right. live. Everything's about an hour away. So with COVID, I couldn't really travel. I couldn't really ride. So it was a hard one, but I've got like a dirt jump spot like 25 minutes away. Yeah. So I remember just going there like every day and I, I didn't ride a lot, but it's, yeah, it was a hard one for sure. Doesn't seem to have slowed you down. I remember <laughs> yeah. that- that season was the first season when we we signed Dan, um, and it was yeah. the year he <clears throat> got his silver medal as a junior. And I remember constantly that year he was telling me that J- Jordan's fast, just Jordan Williams, lad, he's fast, fast. And I, I yeah. to be honest, at that point didn't know you were um, at that age. Um, and then I remember towards the back end of the season, um, you were out in Val d'Isol, um, yeah, and that stood out to me because I was like, now that's serious. There's COVID going on, <clears throat> limited races, and those guys have gone out there to ride a track that they know they're going to race when they're a junior, and it's arguably the hardest one. Um, so, yeah, that, that stood out to me that season. Uh, for yeah, sure. I remember during COVID and then sort of the, the rules came off a bit, and I was we went up to Fort William, did yeah. like a few days there. and I remember that as well, rode yeah. that, and then uh, me and my dad said – we got Val de Sol next year, my first year junior. Yeah. One of the hardest tracks. There's loads yeah. of lines that'll be hard to learn from just doing like six runs in practice or whatever. Yeah. So let's go out there and play it and see how it is. I remember, I remember getting there and thinking, "Oh my god, what, what are we coming <laughs> to?" You know, I was first, like the first few runs I did, I couldn't get down it. I remember walking down one section, thinking, "How am I going to race this next year?" Yeah. And then you sort of, you ride it a bit more, you ride the other tracks in the bike park and you sort of get used to it. And then, yeah, yeah I sort of got used to it, but it was, yeah, it's still an insane track. Yeah, and I think that's a valuable thing for any parents of young riders or any young riders themselves that, that listen to to hear and to think now you've obviously just been there and won mm. in your World Cup there, set fastest time in a day on a track that two years ago you said you, you were scared to ride down parts of it. Yeah. That just shows the importance <clears throat> of getting out into Europe and riding these tracks, even just riding the same dirt. Sometimes we'll arrive at a World Cup venue a few days early just mm. to put tyres on the ground, even if it's not the same track. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, a, it's good for people to hear that because it is so important. 
Yeah, I think you see a lot of kids from the UK that they live near riding, like riding spot, and then they only ride there. Yeah. And they go to somewhere else and they find it really hard. Yeah. Whereas I think me living a further away from tracks, it's all, it's a bad thing, but it's also a good thing because you it forces you to ride other stuff. Yeah, develop the skills and go and apply them. Yeah. Yeah. And then obviously riding those tracks and it's yeah, I think it helps to ride different locations every weekend and not just the same place. Hundred percent. So I've only been to Valdisol once and what you said about it then, I raced Masters Worlds there. I think it was twenty sixteen. And I went yeah. with Mark Waitman, who's on he's on on our team now. Mark's been around the scene for well, when he won Masters Worlds in 2017 or 18 Danny Hart came over to him and went no one deserves that more than you Mark you've been at every race in the UK that yeah. I've ever been to he was at Farmer John's last weekend he's been everywhere he, he never he, any race that's on Mark's there and he starts talking to me about these lines in the woods and I, he, he's going and you know and you go past that tree and then you hook around to the right and then you get up on that bank on the left and I went Mark 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 just stop and he went why well, I went <laughs> I go into the woods, Mark, and three, four minutes later, I come out of the woods. <laughs> I, I know the ski jump at the bottom, and I know the yeah. bit at the top. I do the road gap, and I know that bit. I just ride the line in the woods. You're pointless talking to me, and, and, and you know about lines in there. I just ride where it, the main line through there. It's it's just insane to try and learn it. I think I did eleven or twelve runs over four days, and you, you just can't. You can't tell people how how wild it is. So it's, it's a great one. I think this year really showed that how hard it was. Because in practice, I remember watching like the elites and thinking they're struggling, and <laughs> it must be hard when you see the top five elites in the world struggling. So yeah, that was yeah, that must be a huge confidence boost when you see them struggling and you're you know you're doing okay. Well, confidence and more scary knowing you have to ride it <laughs> so 2021 first year junior and, and you found the level straight away fourth in Lear gang at your first world cup if i remember correctly you had a big slam in practice there too second at the next one in leger did riding with with matt walker did that help you find the pace yeah that first world cup was that was hard i didn't race for like nearly two years before that wow and then because of COVID and then I didn't really ride any big tracks apart from 2020 when I went to Soul. So turning up to Leo Gang, which is probably one of the hardest. Yeah. As a first first year junior and first World Cup, I was pretty scared and uh, had a big crash, like one of the biggest crashes I've ever had. And I was really sore. <laughs> right. I managed to sort of pull it behind me and crack on and race still. So. I was up in there. My second World Cup with Matt is Matt's helped me loads. He's been great riding with him at home and but riding at World Cups is hard because they have the split practice of A and B practice. Yeah. So you don't really ride at World Cups, but the main thing I pick up from him is sort of what he does in the pits and how he warms up, how he how he goes about it and what he's looking at and track walk and bits like that. Cool. That that second in Leger was kind of the start of your battle with Jackson Goldstone. After that, except for Lenza Hyde, you, you were second every time until you raced Snowshoe. How frustrating was that, being so close but but never quite catching him? Yeah, that was pretty frustrating. I remember making a lot of like junior mistakes and uh, 
I think it isn't a bad thing, but it isn't a good thing at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I remember Maribor, I had like a lot, a lot of the races, I had the speed to win. I definitely had the speed to win, but those mistakes cost me a lot. And Maribor, I, I was, I was faster by quite a way, I think. Yeah. And I was up, up at the splits or I wasn't up at the splits, but I remember making a big mistake at the top. And then I brought back loads of time. I brought back, I think, nearly three seconds and then just missed out at the finish. But And then other bits like Val de Sol at World Champs. I had a big crash in practice. So I missed half a practice. And I think those mistakes really cost me. But um, I think sometimes you've got to go through that to learn from those those mistakes. Just holding our thought on that first season, something I wanted to ask you. Obviously, as you said, you, you live down in the south of England. It's flat. Um, yeah. You've had to travel for the limited riding you've had accessible to you. You've then gone through COVID. Quick trip to Fort William, trip to Valdesol, bit of this and that in the woods. Yeah. You're competing against a guy <clears throat> the following season who has been who was was born in Whistler, yeah. has ridden in Whistler. We've all seen the video of him when he was about five on the Strider bike. Um, so he was born and bred to race World Cups. I know personally how the Whistler effect affects you as a rider. I went there as an average senior and came back six months later as a good elite. How did it feel going into that World Cup season, knowing that you were about to race him? Did it feel like an impossible mountain to climb? T- tell us, because you've done so well over the last two years to compete with him. Yeah. My question is, that, how did it feel going into it? And how does it feel now? Uh, if I'm totally honest, my first World Cup in Leo Gang, I didn't really know much about him. I okay. sort of, Probably I didn't, <laughs> I didn't realise how quick he was. Okay. And, uh, and then obviously after that first World Cup, I was like, I've, I've got my hands full here. Yeah. And then, yeah, but I, I didn't really know much about Jackson. And then obviously after those first few races, I was like, this is going to be a good two years. And I yeah. think we've really, really helped each other because I've, I've definitely pushed him and I've, and he's definitely pushed me. So, yeah. Nice. I think that's an important thing for kids to hear for sure. It would have been easy to go into that, like I just described, almost fearing it. But yeah. as a kid, as a young athlete, you should just want to beat everyone. Mm. You should just want to have that killer instinct that I can beat everyone. And and it's, as you say, it was good you went into that, not really knowing much about him. You just mm. go up and be in the fight. Cool. So 2021 European champion in Maribor. Did you know much about the European Championships? Because they used to be quite big, but then, but that was probably before you started racing. And yeah. They've got had a bit of a comeback in the last three or four years, but did, were you aware of them? Were you? Uh, not really. Obviously, I knew I knew it was a big race. Yeah. And uh, I was sort of going there just to like warm up for the World Cup. Yeah. Because the World Cup was the week after. And then as the week went on, I was sort of like, this is quite a big race. And then, I remember qualifying, I crashed, but still won, won the qualifying. <laughs> and I was like, I think this is also like something I learned, a big learning curve for me. So I thought, ah, oh, this is easy. You know, I'll, I'll go out and win, win tomorrow easily. It's just yeah. got to stay on. And I think it was good that I, because I crashed in the race as well. Wow. And I was like, oh God. I've, and then the rest of the run, I was like, I really need to push on it. And only just won it. Right. So, I think that was a big learning curve as well. I, I was like, oh, this is easy. And then I crashed again. I was yeah. like, so, yeah. But yeah, it's a, definitely a big race. And it will be, obviously, Andreas Tolb won it this year. Yeah. And it, it looks cool, the jersey. So Yeah, and Lor- Loris won it the 
Loris won it, yeah. 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 And he wore the jersey all year, didn't he, as well? Mm. So they it, have to. It, yeah. yeah, that kind of, I think that helps, help yeah. the event, maybe. Okay, so moving forward to Snowshoe then, uh, you won the final two rounds of the season. Uh, did that give you a big confidence boost going into the off-season? Uh, it did and it didn't. I mean, the last race of the year doesn't really affect next year, but yeah, it, it definitely helped sort of like the mental side of it, knowing that I can win it and going into the off-season. And I sort of, I turned up to Snowshoe, like, I'm either going to win this or I'm going to DNF. After all those second places, I was like, I'm, I'm risking it here. And I remember the first first round, I I don't know how I stayed on my bike, but I did. And then the second race, it was a bit more mellow, but yeah. <laughs> nice. It was, it was good fun, that race. I remember my mates, Tom and Toby, were out there. Yeah. And I, I really enjoyed that week. And it was in America, all the all this big stuff. And yeah, yeah it, was, it was cool. Nice. Okay, so fast forward through the off-season into 2022. Started off with a third in Lords, and then you yeah. win the National at Fort William by nine seconds with the second fastest time, second fastest time of the day. How much confidence did that give you ahead of the World Cup? Because I mean, I can tell you now, four thirty-four. I've never done a time like that down Fort William. I think my best ever is four thirty-eight. Um, yeah. So it's an insane run for anyone, never mind a junior. How, how was the mindset going into the World Cup? Uh, well, that first race in Lords, I remember I was I come away from it a bit like confused because I had a good run and. Uh, I was quite far back. I was like, it's going to be a hard year, but I sort of started off really slow. I mean, we didn't do much riding pre-season and then that first race, I was started off quite slow and I struggled there. I didn't, I didn't feel like I was struggling, but I definitely did looking at the time and whatever. Yeah. And then it was quite a big gap to the next, next race. And then we had the national at Fort William and, uh, yeah, I, I know that track and yeah, I did well there and it was good confidence boost for sure. So we then go to the World Cup and you won that too with a very exciting bottom split race between you and Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> I was watching it with your dad. Um, yeah. He was a nervous wreck and uh, I can't, can you remember what time you guys were split by? Was it four hundredths? Is that right? I think it was 0. 0.012. Right, so 100. <laughs> 100, so, I think. A yeah. very tight race, but obviously you came out there on top. Um, the time would have put you fifth in elite, and then you went on to winning Leo Gang as well, and that gave you the lead in the series and the leader's jersey. Um, how much pressure did that bring? Yeah, quite a bit, actually. I remember at the World Cup, I was quite nervous for that because obviously all my family there, friends are there, a lot of people I know that were there, and it's probably one of the biggest junior crowds I've ever seen. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I sort of, I didn't have the best run. I remember trying to pull a tear off. It didn't work and I couldn't see in the woods. And so it was good to sort of get that over and get the win. And yeah. then Leo Gang sort of relaxed and I put down a good one. And then I had the number one plate and that was, I didn't feel a lot of pressure, but I must have done because Lenzerheide, it was like the third corner had a massive crash first run <laughs> and I was like I felt I felt really embarrassed you know just the number one plate of crash like in a straight line and then like first run straight out the gate I was like oh but they sort of got over that and then yeah it did, did all right in Lenside apart from hitting a tree 
Yeah, well, I think what you've just described there is another one of those, what you called earlier, junior moments that junior, yeah. <laughs> you'll be able to dip back into your memory bank yeah. in years to come when you're in elite and go, hang on, I've been here before, let's not yeah. be a part. Um, so yeah, it, it'll be a lesson learned that you can go back to. Yeah, so, definitely. You just mentioned lens eyed. Uh, you hit a tree in your race run, but held on for third. Um, yeah. Was that finger broken? I think it was it broken. It, it wasn't broken, but it was, okay. it was very sore. I couldn't move it for like a week afterwards. Yeah, I, and I remember still got it. a big, big star on my finger. So nice. Andorra. Um, I think that's when everyone really started to sit up because you know about you guys in junior because Jackson posted fastest time in a day and you posted the third fastest time and yeah. I mean track conditions changed a bit as the day went on um, I didn't ride on the, on the Saturday so it's hard to say personally but you, you could see there was a little bit of difference but it didn't rain so the track was very similar um, yeah. did it feel like more people were paying attention to you guys after Andorra? Yeah definitely I remember watching the elite race at the bottom and I was I wasn't stood next to Jackson, but he was he was near me. I remember going over to him and we were like, we've just got the like two of the fastest times. So I was yeah. third fastest and he had the fastest. And we were like, must so it must have happened, but we were like, <laughs> let's just take it, we'll take it. And uh, uh yeah, I think from that point onwards we sort of we really showed how fast me and Jackson were. Yeah. And uh started to not make as many junior mistakes apart from made one in snowshoe the week after or whatever <laughs> it was but it's all part of racing yeah you two were way out in front i've i, I mean we we recorded with greg earlier this morning and and yeah. we, we were saying asking him if he can recall any any time when it's you know these seen juniors post times like this and he couldn't recall any i can't recall yeah. any you're so far ahead of the rest of the field in junior did it feel like you you two were kind of in a category on your own uh yeah it did if i'm honest yeah i mean i didn't really like going to a race i didn't really think about anyone else bar jackson yeah it was sort of i'm racing him and then like because i knew if i crashed or had a bad result i'd i'd still most likely be second yeah um so yeah it was it did feel like we were in a category of right and like any other year, if you'd not had him, you would have been, you'd have won the series, you'd have been world yeah. twice, you'd have been world champion twice, I imagine. Or do you think it's better to have done it the way that you've done it and had this two years of, because if you'd have, if you'd not had him, you probably wouldn't have had to ride as hard. You know, you wouldn't have tried yeah. as hard, you wouldn't have pushed as hard. Do you think it's better to, to have had that? Or do you think, would you rather have been the double world champion? <laughs> Yeah, although it's horrible to be in the like in the position of like you have to go as fast as you can to win and risking it all and you know not winning every week. But I think once you get out of junior, it's I think you really appreciate that you've had to push each other because you go into elite hopefully not being as far back as what maybe other juniors have been in the past. Yeah, definitely. So when we watch you ride, it looks pretty effortless. And you mentioned earlier, you feel like you have quite a fluid style. I can't remember how you worded it. Um, yeah. It does look like you, you just kind of have that natural speed. How hard do you work on different aspects? Are you in the gym a lot or are you just spending loads of time on a bike? Is it a bit of a blend? What's going yeah. on behind closed doors? Uh, for me, the, the gym work isn't a big thing. 
I do work with Gareth at GMP Fitness near me, but I don't do a lot. It's sort of just here and there, and it's not something I focus on big, like say Matt, my teammate. Yeah, because I know he trains really hard, and I, I'm I'm definitely not like that. I think the main thing for me is the bike time. Yeah, and if I if, if I feel good on the bike, and I'm I've done a good couple of weeks riding and whatever, then it's it's it seems to it doesn't affect me not not training as much. Yeah, do you feel like looking ahead towards elite? Do you feel like that's something you're maybe going to need to change? to increase the strength because obviously we look at riders like Piron and like when you stand next to those fuckers you're like whoa Mm. they are tanks do do, do you plan on mixing things up or are you going to keep the same approach going into I think I'll definitely train harder than I have and do more training but I think it sort of works for me yeah and uh in in Val Sol this year I mean that's the hardest track anyone can race and this this the length is really long and so rough and I feel like I can hit the last corner as good as the first corner and I don't like in Valdezor I didn't feel fatigued that much yeah so it seems seems to be working there you go exactly and I think there's a big thing for someone else's approach doesn't necessarily yeah. work for you so yeah. I like it <clears throat> and I think it's interesting that you like you and Jackson's not you know he's an 18 year old lad as well he's not mm. built and you two have it seems like every year it's you need to get stronger, you need to get stronger. And, and that's probably pushed yeah. by Amory, who's, you know, just a machine. He looks like he's mm. the most ripped out of anyone. So everyone probably looks and thinks, he's setting the fastest times. I need to be yeah. like yeah. that. Yeah. And then you see you and Jackson setting fast times and not being looking like you've come yeah. straight out of the gym. I think it's quite interesting. And I think that's quite a, a different way of looking at it. And I think it's quite cool. Yeah, that, definitely. For sure. Yeah, you look at Amory and he's he's ripped and whatever. And I know Matt is just stupidly strong on the pedals and he's whatever. But and then I, I see myself, but then I can still ride as fast as them. Yeah, yeah. And it's I think it's as you say, it's whatever works for you. And I think what I what I'm doing at the minute does work for me. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. It's a good approach for sure. Mm. So this year you missed national champs, um, like many of us had to because of the ridiculous scheduling. Um, we all had to be in snowshoe that, that weekend. Um, tell us a bit about your experience with national champs because it, it looks like it's been evading you a little bit. Have you have you, have you won it once? Is that right? Yeah, just just the once. Yeah. Is, is, is that painful or are you not bothered after the, after the world champs? It is a bit. It is a bit, yeah. I remember my first national champs Qualified first, was up at the splits, crashed out. Yeah. Uh, second national champs are one as a juvenile. Uh, third national champs crashed out, got second by only a little bit. And then missed the next year because of COVID. And then first year junior, I felt really good. I was, I was on the, I set the second fastest time in qualifying out of everyone. Yeah. And I was up at the splits. I remember we got red flagged in the first race run. And I, I remember thinking I got that top section as good as I could get it. And I was like, I was really disappointed and I had to push up like five minutes to a fire road Oof. to get the uplift back to the top. And then you'll know at ballet, you have to push another five minutes to the start. Yep. So by the time I got there, I was absolutely cooked and then set off from a, from a rerun, got it even better at the top, which I couldn't believe. And then got to the first fire road and the, the tire blew off the wheel and I was I was pretty gutted about that one actually. I, I felt yeah. really good and 
I was pretty gutted. Sometimes the way it goes. And then this year we missed it. Yeah. It I think I, I, I think well, I was at Balor. I think we did some interviews for it, and I, I, I yeah. was gobsmacked that you didn't. Did Preston Williams win it? I think yeah. he. Yeah, he Preston won. Yeah, yeah. So back to this season. Snowshoe was when the the overall slipped away from you. You were four point three up at split three before crashing out, and I think that that finished the push for the overall, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Unfortunately, um, I felt felt good at Snowshoe, but. It was it was so hard this year. I think for everyone, and uh, it was just yeah, it was really hard to get down without making any mistakes or crashing. Yeah, and uh, qualifying, I went off track, and I was I sort of pull it behind me straight away. Thought you know it's hard track. I just it, it was out of my mind straight away. Yeah, got to race race day. I felt good. Got through the section good twice. Uh, that I went off track in qualifying, and then got to. Got to race runs and I thought, I'm, I'm just going to send it and see what happens. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to hold back and ride safe and whatever. And then, yeah, just crashed in the exact same spot. I went off track in qualifying. <laughs> which was that, was that in November? Yeah, literally just just after the split. You right, sort of yeah. do a tight, tight right corner and it goes left and over a rock and it's... Yeah, so I mean, crashing there in both runs, like... I can tell viewers that is the hardest part of the track. Like yeah. I spent Sunday morning there before finals and 10% of the riders were getting through there well. So Yeah. And I remember coming remember coming into that section and thinking, I'm not I'm not scared, you know. And it yeah. sort of paid the price for it a bit. Well, Greg said earlier that it was probably the the worst conditions. Did he say worst conditions he's can remember terrible. racing yeah, in? It's terrible. Yeah, it's so greasy. Those rocks are just lethal. It so, was slippy. Mont Saint Anne, elite podium times again. Um, have, Jack, have you have you ever seen two juniors consistently achieving times like this? I asked. No, not two. Um, Troy did it. Lloyd did it. Maybe they weren't getting FTDs, but they were podium in as juniors. But there mm. weren't two in a year that were doing it. No, no. And um, Worlds then, and you win seeding by four seconds. Jackson crashes out in the race, and you take the win by nearly six seconds. Pretty much everyone who's won Junior Worlds goes on to have a great pro career now. How much did that mean? And that that meant a lot. I mean, I think to anyone being world champion means a lot, and it was it was so cool. I think the track was amazing this year. The French crowd is one of the best, and yeah. I remember getting a new bike, and as that saying, "Feel good, ride good," and I definitely definitely felt good, and that was. I couldn't believe it, you know, having that. I remember sitting in bed that night, with the jersey hung up, and thinking, "Wow, this is this is real," and it is still getting over it now, you know. It was, yeah, but, it was insane. That, that, yeah, that just must be incredible to to you know to sit there, yeah, just to go through it all, and then sit in the room with the jersey and go, "I fucking did it," like you know. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. So, are you conscious of that thing that that I just said about? You know, like that. The anybody who wins junior worlds is pretty much guaranteed a career now. Did you a decent career? Uh, Does that? I'm confident I will be, but you know, you, there's always if and buts. But you just gotta stay focused and make sure you get to where you want to get, and not think, "Oh, I'm junior world champ, so it's going to be easier." You know? it, yeah. it never is. Yeah. So the parallels with you and Matt and Jackson and Finn are, are really uncanny. So one Brit, one Canadian. 
the two dominant junior riders across both both junior years. Finn and Jackson won the overall both years and were world champion in the first year. You and yeah. you and you and Matt were um, won world champs in the second year. Did you chat with Matt much about his battle with Finn? Yeah, we have a bit. Yeah, definitely. And he he said how it happened with his first World Cup and how he felt during those those races and how he won worlds and yeah we did chat quite a bit about it yeah yeah and that was pretty beneficial yeah i think so because he's been in my exact position before yeah. so it's he knows what can happen and how to go about it yeah it must be really useful well one thing i wanted to ask you about was line choice yeah so i've bumped into you a few times on track walks and you're not just on different lines to me you're on different lines to, to Will Longdon. And at the last national uh, revolution, I did a, like an uplift with him. And, and I said, yeah, I'd said, I'd seen you doing different lines. And he was like, yeah, we did a track walk on, on um, Friday. And he said, I'm going to be up here. And, and so I, Will was just like, oh, well, I'm not going to be there. I'm not going to be anywhere <laughs> yeah. near there. You know, um, you're probably on different lines to Jack as well. Are, are you conscious of that? Cause some of the lines you were showing me, you were like, I think it was a, was either line Gollum or Casus, and you were like, "Yeah, I'm up here," and it was on a corner, and it was like it was right around the top, you know, like yeah. it was above head height. Are you conscious of that? Yeah, I. That's one thing I actually really enjoy is picking out lines and being on different lines to other people. One of the riders I look at for that is Reese Wilson, right? And I think he, he's got the best style in my eyes, and I think he chooses a lot of lines that people don't do, and a lot of unique lines. Yeah. I think I've sort of picked up on that and uh, taken that into my own riding style and I use it quite a bit and it's I think it's really cool, yeah. Wait, with the other lads you ride with, because I know you ride with like George Madley quite a lot, do, yeah. do they, uh, can they hold those lines or not? Uh, some of them. I remember Riola this year at the National. There's this, you might know, There's at the top there's some switchbacks yeah. and there's one that's like got a vert- vertical like wall Right. And uh, everyone just goes down the gully and I sort of like rode up it, round it, and then like gapped out of it onto this bank. And I remember showing George and a few of my mates, Deck and Luke, and yeah. they were like, I'm not doing that. And <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, it was a funny one. But I, lo- I love choosing these lines that no one's on. And yeah. Uh, yeah. It is con- it is really obvious when when you watch you ride and when you track walk that you just yeah. you know did completely different to everyone else. So post worlds, it's all gone a bit a bit bonkers really, and I don't think it's actually ended yet. No, because you, you you won Valdisol with the fastest time of the day by nearly four seconds, and then the national at revs you, you win your category by eleven and a half seconds, fastest time of the day there. Same at the final two PS races. I'm guessing you didn't want the season to end. No, I really enjoyed racing in the in the stripes. Yeah, I, it brought me a lot of confidence, and I felt like I really like felt like it gave me extra speed, and that was it. Felt really cool, and seeing everyone on track looking at me, and it felt yeah. really cool, and uh, it gave me a lot of confidence, and I think I, I showed that in Valdezol. A hundred percent. I might be wrong, but I can't see you continuing to race the PS races next year. Did did you just want to? keep wearing that world champs jersey before the season ended is that uh no i, I will be racing the pierce it's, will you oh that's yeah, cool i just i just love racing and i wanted to do those last few races to wear the jersey as well 
yeah but just as just as i enjoy racing it all my mates are there and everyone i know races them and i've raced them since 2017 or whenever you said it was so yeah and i yeah it's just it's just fun racing so i, w- I will be racing them if it's doesn't clash with anything for sure that's cool yeah they are really good events <clears throat> i think it's also good to show like the younger kids that you can be world champion from yeah. racing these races you know definitely nice. i think it's, it's really cool as well when you look at like like you you've grown up not near any any hills and you're yeah. junior world champion. You look at like Danny, who's grown up in Hamsterley on a one minute track, and yeah, well, it's not one minute for me, but you know, for him, it's a minute track, and uh, it just shows that you don't need to have those to be born in the mountains to to be the, yeah. the world champion if you can hone your skills. You know, absolutely, yeah, definitely. Okay, um, so there's rumours you might be moving on from Madison Saracen. I know that that's going on, and we can't talk about it. Um, so. Excluding that, how excited are you for next season? Yeah, I'm really excited, actually. I think those last few races, like in Baudasol and Andorra, it, it's given me a lot of confidence going into next year. And, uh, yeah, it'll be, be cool to finally race an elite against all the big boys. And I hope I can do I hope I can do well, yeah. Nice. Any major plans for the off-season? Any trips or anything you know that's going on for your preparation? Uh, not really. Not yet. I'm just, just chilling at the moment and... Still riding, I won't stop riding because that's what I love doing. So just enjoy it, really. Yeah. So last question from me. Um, so George Madley, who you ride with a lot, he's had a great season um, in youth. Does he have another season in youth? Is that yeah, correct? he does. Another yeah. season in so youth, yeah. That's worrying for a lot of people. Do you, do yeah. you think he's going to follow the same tra- trajectory as you? Do you feel like he's going to be as good as you? Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I, I do ride with George a lot. He's one of my best mates. and. Uh, Mm. Most most times I ride on with him, and uh, yeah, he's still got another another year in youth, which is pretty scary to think, because he's already setting times of winning juniors when yeah. I'm not there and whatever. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he's he's still got a lot to learn. You know, he does make a lot of mistakes, which is obvious for a youth. But yeah, and uh, yeah, I think he's a good rider, and he'll he'll do well. I'm I'm sure. I genuinely, I thought he was moving up to junior next year. I mean, looked at those times. I didn't yeah. realize anyway, he's got another year in youth. Jesus, that's my yeah, boy. Yeah, first. I, uh, I ride with him a lot, so he, he picks up on it, I think. And yeah, we, race the, sure. we race the Pierce at Bucknell, and that's, yeah. it's not an easy track. Um, I remember did my first, because you have two race runs at Pierce. Yeah. My, I did my first race run, and he had done his. And he went up for his second one, come down, and he was 0.8 behind me. <laughs> and I was like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I've got to, I've got to really try hard here. I remember. How, how would you have felt going up for that second race run if he'd been 0.1 in front of you? <laughs> I, I don't even know. I remember, that put the pressure on. I remember going up for my second one and I, I went over to him before I went up and I said, right, I'm, I'm flicking it onto World Cup mode. <laughs> yeah, and you're then, in trouble now. <laughs> Yeah. I went up and I was actually really like I felt pretty chilled that week. I was like, oh, it's a Pierce race, so I win it. And then he did that. I was like, so I went up and really tried hard, and then beaten by three seconds or something. Yeah, it's good to push each other like that. It's nice. So, the last question from me, really. What are the aims for next season? The aims. I have think, you set any goals? Have you? 
Yeah, I think the main goal would be top five. That's quite a, quite a big goal. And uh, I think if I'm outside the top ten, I'll be pretty disappointed, I'd say. Is that at the end of the season or at each race? I think each each race, yeah. Yeah. Are you going to give yourself some, some wiggle room with that? And if you have a couple of bad ones, are you going to let yourself off? Or are you, are you going to, do you think, are you, are you the kind of person that each time you don't hit that goal, are you going to be pretty mad with yourself? Or Yeah, I think... I'll be happy if I'm inside the top 10 and if I'm outside it, I'll... You won't be. <laughs> yeah, I won't be, yeah. I think That's... a lot of people say oh, I'll be in the top 20, but I think everyone wants to do well and win. So I think, yeah, I'm, I'm just saying how I, how I think it is. So. Yeah. Top 10 is for sure a realistic target. Yeah. Cool. Well, I can't tell you how excited we all are for next season. I, I don't think I've ever heard as many people get as excited about a season before. So I hope that doesn't bring a stack of yeah. pressure and you and Jackson can settle in nicely and and thanks for making the time to come on the pod it, it's been much no appreciated worries. it's been great chatting to you so before we go we need to give a shout out to your dad Steve because I, I know he, he listens regularly when he's in the yeah, truck does, I think yeah. trucking up and down is, is he UK trucking or is he Europe uh, no he, I don't think he does that anymore he sort of does a bit of everything now and, yeah, uh, yeah he, but he does listen to it a lot for sure Cool. Well, that's it for another episode. Thanks, of course, to the sponsors of the show, Hope Technology, JTEC Suspension, Revolution Bike Park, Ride Southern Spain, Schwalbe and SingletrackWorld.com. As always, if you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And if you've got a sec, please drop us a review. Alternatively, please give us a follow on Instagram at Making Up The Numbers Racing or Facebook.com slash Making Up The Numbers. We'll be back very soon. I think the next episode is going to be with Thibaut de Prella and Valley Hall, if we can make that work. Until then, thanks very much for listening and enjoy those autumnal or spring conditions wherever you are in the world. This has been the Mammoth Production for Making Up the Numbers. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.